Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Is Sid and friends in the morning? From our friends. 77 WABC. Breaking news about a dozen documents with classified markings have been found at the Indiana home of former Vice President Mike Pence. CBS News has learned the discovery was made by one of Pence's longtime aides just last week. This stunning revelation comes as two special counsels are investigating the handling of classified material by President Biden and former President Donald Trump. New York Congressman George Santos was back on Capitol Hill today. The Long Island Republican brought some coffee and some donuts to reporters as he entered his office this morning. One reporter asked, what was he doing today? Today's plan to answer your question is to work for the American people. Legislate. That's what I got hired to do. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is threatening to bounce three Democrats from their committee assignments. He's aiming to boot Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell from the Intelligence Committee. If you got the briefing I got from the FBI, you wouldn't have Swalwell on any committee. And you're going to tell me other Democrats couldn't fill that slot? He cannot get a security clearance in the private sector. My love, there's only you in my life. The only thing that's right. My first This is uh, not the original, of course. The original was Lionel Richie and Diana Ross. But I do like this one. This is Lionel Richie and Shania Twain. Endless love on this early hump day Wednesday morning, 6.04, on the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me, that's us, sitting friends in the morning here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. A huge show coming up today, huge Dove Hyken, Peter King, Brian Kilmeade. You got uh, the mayor, Eric Adams. He'll be here at 8.05. Tomorrow, of course, is the state of the city. A big day for Mayor Adams. So he'll join me coming up at 8.05. I did make the promise when I left for Christmas break, and I don't care whether you like him or not, it means nothing to me. I mean, Andrew Giuliani, for example, has become one of my best friends, and I put him on the air twice a week now. That was my call, my call. 
And um, he don't like the mayor. He tries to, every now and then, give him the benefit of the doubt. But he don't like him. He's like Sliwa, you know. And I don't care. <laughs> because that is his position. He's the mayor. And I think it's important to hear from him. But I'll tell you what's funny about that is my good friend, Arthur Idala, not only my good friend, but my attorney, Artie's a great guy. And Artie, though, you know, he does a radio show. And he, um, he don't care who he talks to because Artie is not a Republican or conservative. He's none of that. He was on with me and Bernard almost every week. And he's a really terrific on-air talent, terrific. But he's not, he doesn't care about the political stuff. He just doesn't. So Frank Morano has his friend who's now a friend of mine as well, this uh, Marlena Chavo, Q-Kid. She's on Frank's show quite a bit. And she does a podcast every week with Andrew Cuomo. And that's where I draw the line. I wouldn't bring Andrew Cuomo on this show if John Katsimatidis offered me money. I wouldn't do it. And he was the governor. Lofty position. I would not bring Kathy Hochul on this show if John Katsimatidis offered me money. And she is the current governor. A very lofty position. So I do, I do draw the line. It's not as if, well, if, you know, if it's a big political guy or girl, I'm going to bring him on. No. But I truly believe, and I know this for a fact, because I have private conversations, which you guys don't out there. By the way, neither does Curtis Sliwa or Andrew Giuliani or any of these guys. I do. And I know what the mayor wants to do. I know how the mayor feels. I know how difficult his job is based upon the disaster that Bill de Blasio left him and these anarchists and liberal crazies up in Albany that won't allow him to do what he wants to do and we want him to do. It ain't that easy. I know Rudy comes on and talks tough. And look, Rudy is the best mayor of all time. You couldn't love Rudy Giuliani more than I love him. Not the same. Not the same. Things are a lot different now, 30 years later. And even Rudy admitted he couldn't get it done in one year either, and the city is in worse shape. I know it's very easy to sit there, your Rudy or Andrew, go, oh, my dad. Oh, stop. So I do draw the line. I'm not bringing on Andrew Cuomo. I'm not bringing on Kathy Hochul. I'm not bringing on Joe Biden. He's the president. I'd say no. No, thanks. No, maybe Biden. I'd say yes. I'd have to think about that one. But I did bump into Chris Cuomo on the streets a couple of weeks ago, when I first moved back into New York City, when my house first, all the stuff happened at the house, so they put me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe up at the UN Millennium Hilton, a really nice hotel, on 44th between 1st and 2nd Avenues. And I didn't realize this, but News Nation, that uh, terrible little news uh, place that Cuomo works for, it's like on 42nd and 3rd, it's right here. So one night I was walking home from the gym. That particular gym is on 40th and 3rd, and I literally bumped right into Chris Cuomo. So I said, hey. He said, hey. It was a very, very short exchange. We did uh, exchange numbers, and that was it. So uh, he's reached out to me, which me a happy new year. I reached out to him yesterday, and I said, listen, because I wouldn't talk to his brother, but I would talk to Chris. See, Andrew is evil because he's smart. Chris is a dope. He's a handsome, rugged, 
newsman dope. So I would talk to him and uh, beat the hell out of him on the air. So I said to him yesterday, let's do this. And what ensued was one of the most bizarre conversations I've ever had. Now, you saw all this Macedonia, Phil, and now I provided you and Justin Ellick with all the Chris Cuomo, Sid Rosenberg texts. And at some point during today's show, one of you is going to play Chris, one of you is going to play me, and it promises to be great radio. But how bizarre and weird and stupid is Chris Cuomo, honestly. It was a really weird conversation, like over text. I mean, it, it just nothing he made said like made much sense. It didn't make any sense. No, and yeah, he got very aggressive, very quick. He did. He, he right away he talked about I'm lucky. He goes, you talk crap about my brother. I'm like, you're damn right I do. He's like, you're lucky I didn't put my hands around your neck. I go, Chris, 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 baby, sweetheart, you're not going to intimidate me. You are never going to intimidate me. I'm the wrong guy. It was weird how he just jumped. Cause all, all it started was you just asking him, like, in a normal way. Yeah. If you want to hop on Want to hop on? Yeah, want to hop on? progressively got weirder. <laughs> well, right, right off the bat, he goes, why would I come on? Yeah, you why? talk crap about my brother. And what did I say to him? You'll read it later. I go, you're damn right I talked crap about your brother. You're damn right I did. So you want to be a bigger man and come on and talk about it? He goes, please. I go, Chris, for the second time, I go, Chris, you are not going to intimidate me. I've been to rehabs. I've been to jails. You ain't nothing, big bitch. Whoa. Yeah, that's right. Whoa. So um, he ain't coming on. And Andrew Cuomo did a dollar show last night. And I don't know why you would put that guy on. Who cares what he says at this point? The truth is he's responsible for about 18,000 old people dying in this city. He's responsible. Him. Above and beyond the fact he, you know, the five million he got for the book. He's got a lot of balls writing a book on how to how to make it during COVID. Old people were dying every day based upon his policies every day. And that wasn't the end of it. Corruption up the wazoo, the Buffalo billions. And he's just a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He's not his father. He's not Mario Cuomo. And, and his brother is a dope and he's a bad guy. Anyway, that's my Andrew Cuomo stuff for the day. Do you disagree, uh, Philip? No, I think honestly, I think you should take it a step further. What do you mean? I think uh, I think you should have Janice Dean on. <laughs> yeah. Is she still mad? Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, both she's of her. She's going to hate them for life. Why wouldn't she? Yeah, both of her in-laws uh, died because of Andrew Cuomo's policies. And then both. Even, even beyond that, too, the things they said about her after in, you know in private that's being surfaced now is. Oh yeah, he uh, well he uh, Chris Cuomo called her a quote unquote weather bitch. Yeah, that's kind of bad. Yeah, kind of bad. Yeah, so. So if if we're, if we're gonna if you're gonna dive into this Chris Cuomo hate, go head first. Get May out, as well, right? Go as far as you can with it. Yeah. And a surprise guest I have for you, Chris. Here's Janice <laughs> yeah. D. So the mayor Eric Adams will join me coming up at eight oh five this morning. So much on the plate. You read the cover of today's New York Post. Not a great cover for Eric. The Bronx is turning. Fed up with New York City crime. Shop owners hire private guards to fight back. So you got that story. You've got a soup kitchen in Brooklyn that is being overrun by asylum seekers. You've got a you got a mess. You've got a legitimate mess. And as I will point out to Kilmeade and Eric Adams later, there are two things at play here. Here's what New Yorkers want from the mayor. Calling out the national and federal government. Great, great. What they really want is for Eric Adams to call out Joe Biden specifically. 
say his name. Just like we used to say, name and shame the folks up in Albany. Say their names, Mr. Mayor. Say Kathy Hochul. Say Andrea Stewart Cousins, that louse. Say Carl Heasty. Say the names. And secondly, you can't have it both ways. You cannot be a sanctuary city and then complain when you're overwrought and overrun by migrants. So those two things are on the table coming up for the mayor when he hops on at 8.05. He did uh, talk about these uh, migrants Monday at a press conference. Says people are looking everywhere for shelter. Let's get right to it, Lou Rafino, with Mayor Eric Adams stopping by at 8.05 this morning. Here is Eric Adams, cut number one. People are sleeping on the streets in El Paso. They're sleeping in airports. I spoke to my colleague in Chicago. People are sleeping in the basement of libraries. Then uh, here he is again calling out the federal government. He stopped short of saying Joe Biden's name, which is not good enough at this point. But he does call out the federal government. This is Mayor Eric Adams Lewis, cut number two. We opened 77 emergency hotels for Hercs during the crisis. We are in a crisis. And the federal government must have a national response to this crisis. They have not. He also goes on to talk about this influx of migrants to New York. They just keep coming. I don't know what the number is now. I believe it's eclipsed 40,000. Mayor Eric Adams, Lou Rapino, cut number three. Even with the temporary order in place at the border, we are still seeing large numbers that are coming, not only through buses, but through airports and other means. And finally, this historic moment for New York, how we handle this. They'll judge us. One more, Mayor Eric Adams, cut number four. This is the moment that's going to judge us in history. And as we've always done, we're going to reach the moment that's expected of us. The big national story remains this document story. And let me tell you who was really, really ticked up because of this document story. That's Donald Trump. Because a couple of weeks ago, based on the awful December that Donald Trump had, and it was awful, dining with Kanye West. I forgot the other guy's name already. Who cares? Dining with uh, Kanye West. That ridiculous player card set that he sold to the public. Ripping up the Constitution. He had a really bad couple of weeks. But once these documents started popping up at just about every Joe Biden address and more, Donald Trump looking better and better every day. Because it was Joe Biden who went on 60 Minutes, took Donald Trump to task, called him irresponsible, blah, blah, blah. And as it turns out, every day now, folks, every day, we're finding more and more documents Joe Biden. Now, look, that story is not a big story. I've been saying this for weeks. Every president takes home stuff. Vice presidents do. Senators do. I'm not saying it's legal. I'm saying they all do it. Now Mike Pence is on record. And just moments ago, John Katsimatidis sent me an article. Jimmy Carter took home classified documents. This is not new news. It's not a major story. But where the left and the Democrats screwed up was they made it one with Trump, Merrick Garland, the way the FBI treated Donald Trump, the SWAT teams, 
going into Melania's underwear drawers, barren sock drawers, knocking down walls, the whole thing. The way they treated Donald Trump compared to Biden is a joke. Neither one of these guys will deal with real repercussions from this. And the truth is, the more they find about Biden and people like Pence and Jimmy Carter stepping up, the better it is for Donald Trump. Yesterday, Axios came out with a report that now, after trailing Ron DeSantis just a couple of weeks ago, Donald Trump is in the lead as the top dog now in the Republican Party. So all this is great for Trump, as long as he shuts up, doesn't say or do anything stupid, he is now in really good position, really good position, and this document story is not going away anytime soon. And they've got no answers, I mean none, at the White House. In fact, uh, here is Corinne Jean-Pierre asked about the seriousness of the situation yesterday. Here's this dope's answer. Cut number five. You have said, though, from this podium many, many times over the last two weeks that this president takes the handling of classified material very seriously. And yet we continue to learn about more documents being found and discovered at his home, including now some that go back decades to his time in the Senate. So why should the American people believe that this president takes classified material seriously and the handling of it? Look, the president, the American people heard from the president directly on this when he was asked by your colleagues at least twice now about um, about how he sees this process. And he was very clear with, with the response of what we're currently seeing. And he says, I take this very seriously. He said, I didn't know <laughs> he says, uh, that the documents were know. there. Yeah. Here's uh, my guy, Lindsey Graham, out of South Carolina. He says, you come to my house, you're not going to find any documents. Lou Rubino, Lindsey Graham, cut number 12. And I want to know why the press wasn't told about this event days before the 2022 election. They had found out that there were classified information in Biden's home days before the 2022 election, and they sat on it. That's what I want to understand. And if you come to my house, you'll find Chick-fil-A bags all over the floor, <laughs> but you're not going to find any classified information. Chick-fil-A bags all over the floor. And as I, I mentioned earlier, Jimmy Carter, he took some stuff home. Mike Pence, even though he denied it back in November 2022, he took stuff home. In fact, we've got Mike Pence's audio here. This is a cut number 16. Pence denying that he had any classified documents from the White House. Cut number 16. Did you take any classified documents with you? Uh, I, I did not. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see any reason for anyone to take documents with them leaving the White House? Well, there'd be no reason to classify documents, particularly if they were in an unprotected area. And this is uh, Ted Cruz on with our good friend Larry Kudlow yesterday talking about Mike Pence and his document situation. Lewis, this is cut number 13. The Mike Pence story, it's still early. Uh, You know, Mike Pence, and as you noted, he, he is a good friend. He's a good man. He's explained where these came from. What his office has put out is, is, is that in packing up the vice presidential offices, that, that there were a couple of papers that were classified that were inadvertently put with non-classified materials. That was a mistake, but there's no reason uh, to think it was anything but inadvertent. All right, Ted Cruz has no reason to think it's anything but inadvertent when it comes to Mike Pence. Again, we've got a tremendous guest list about to come your way on this Wednesday morning, starting at about 20 minutes with Dove Hikind. They are looking for justice. The Jewish community looking for justice. We'll talk to Dove Hikind coming up 
at 640. 740, Brian Kilmeade. 805, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. 840, Congressman Peter King. 905, victim rights advocate Jennifer Harrison. And 925, former Monday Night Football and Playboy model Lisa Guerrero. All that right here on the Hump Day edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Is Sid and Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Favorite Bruce Springsteen songs of all time, Badlands at 628 on your Wednesday morning. Danny Federici, who was the um, really talented keyboard player for Bruce for so many years, passed away many years ago, cancer. But uh, he would have been celebrating a birthday, uh, was it two days ago, Lewis? I see the 23rd. He yeah. would have been 73. He's yeah. got a long time, though, now, right? 2000. Eight. Yeah, 15 April, years. April 17th. Yeah. So, uh, Bruce, always looking for an excuse to play some more Springsteen. I'm sure as we speak, our good friend Stephen Van Zant, Little Stevie, is with Mike Sullivan listening to the show anyway. And they got a couple of uh, big concerts about to get going, including February 6th and 7th in Fort Lauderdale at the Hard Rock. So we'll have uh, more news on that on this program. And I guess uh, Taylor Swift, I don't really follow this story. But uh, Congress was all over Ticketmaster about these Taylor Swift tickets. You know anything about this? Um, I, I don't. I heard a bunch of it last yesterday. I yeah. Here's I, what I it says share. in the Post. Members of Congress revealed themselves as Swifties, which I guess are Taylor Swift fans. Very Swifties. Good. Yeah. During Tuesday's hearing, quoting from their favorite songs. You know who did this years ago was um, Hakeem Jeffries. The Senate Minority Leader, he actually one day started just <laughs> just singing "Hypnotized" by Biggie Smalls on the floor of uh, Congress. Yo yo yo! Yeah, I eat sardines for dinner. So, um, for example, this uh, Dick Blumenthal, this lying bastard who once said he served in the Vietnam, he never did. He goes, "May I suggest respectfully that Ticketmaster ought to look in the mirror and say." I'm the problem, it's me. Then you get Senator Mike Lee out of Utah about a ban on transferable tickets. 
He says, a lot of people seem to think that's somehow a solution. I think it's a nightmare dressed like a daydream. These are all Taylor Swift lyrics. And then you get Amy Klobuchar, this doofus out of Minnesota. And she says, you can't have too much consolidation. Something that, unfortunately for this country, as an ode to Taylor Swift, I will say we know all too well. Well, that's embarrassing, no? Well, I guess I would do the same thing. Who am I, who am I kidding? Of course you would. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not proud about it, but... It's the same old story, too, I'm, what I'm reading. It's that but what fa- is it? Fans, well, the monopoly and antitrust laws are in effect because the fans were on long wait times, and yeah. then they were left empty-handed, and... Ticketmaster has merged with Live Nation now, yeah. it looks like. They have, and yeah. And it's a monopoly. So they get to do whatever the heck they want. Right. You know, a Pearl Jam lost years ago. Um, I forgot the other. I think Springsteen couldn't beat them. Yeah. You know, they they control they control the venues from where tickets are purchased. That's been the case. So... It, to try to circumvent them is something these even these big bands have not been allowed to do. They've gone to court yeah. and lost. Right. I mean, if Bruce Springsteen cannot sell tickets at his own price, you know, it's just the, the tickets are jacked up. And what can you do? It's well, just, I, don't, I don't really worry about any of this because I get my tickets for free because I'm famous. Right, right famous. so I might as well have been uh, yelling outside yeah. the Third Avenue. Right, I nobody. just don't care. Right, yeah, right. I know you didn't listen. Yeah. So that's Joseph Abu checks in. He says, it's only 6.20 in the morning, and you're already on fire. That's from uh, Joe Abu. Thank you, really, you, Joseph. You should see the rest of them, Joe, right now. I mean, it's <laughs> hard, to, hard to imagine. Hard to oh, imagine. boy. Yeah. Yeah. We got uh, so many great guests stopping by today. Once again, Dove Hikind and... Brian Kilmeade, Congressman Peter King, and Lisa Guerrero, Jennifer Harrison, the mayor, Eric Adams. Going to be a huge show. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law. Personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. My buddies are up early this morning. I received a text from Joseph Haboud in the first segment. Now, Bo Deedle. Everybody misses Bo. He's been away. 
enjoying life as he should. He just texted me, Sid, I'm back. We'll be back on tomorrow morning. Remember, Bo is on twice a week now. 7 o'clock hour on Tuesdays, 9 o'clock hour on Thursdays. Sid, I'm back. We'll be on tomorrow morning. I've been listening to you from St. Bart's. You sound great, Bo Deedle. And uh, we're happy that uh, Bo back, and you're going to be great on this show tomorrow morning. Before I get to a dope hike, and I'm in for a long day, Lloyd, i got to tell you. Because uh, my beautiful wife, Danielle, she's already mad at me, so. No way. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? The um, the hotel we're staying at, these people are wonderful people. They're great people. And they bend over backwards to make life better for us. And I had no idea, but the GM of this hotel, this guy John, is a huge Sid fan. I mean, huge. I had not met him. I've been there now for the better part of 10 days. And uh, the girls at the desk are great. Richard is great. And the GM was there last night, and the girl calls me over and goes, Hey, the GM John wants to meet you. He's like, Sid, I think you're the best. I love you, blah, blah, blah. I said, great. Get me a bigger room. Get me a suite. Help me out oh, here, damn will you? right. So Let's as it turns out, it. the way the room is configured is the bathroom is not by the door. So what I'm trying to say is I get up at, let's say, 3.15 in the morning, and I start to shave and shower, and then I have to walk past the bed and a sleeping Danielle to get to the door to exit the room. Good luck. Right. So it's like 3.45 this morning. I'm balls-ass naked, shaving, and I get scared to death because the door comes flying open, and there's a naked Danielle yelling, I need to sleep. I mean, in her defense, her days now, she drives out to the law firm. She leaves the hotel at about 7.30 in the morning, doesn't get home till about 7 o'clock at night. You know, he's got a long day. Oh, so that wasn't code for I need something else. I, was, <laughs> no. I, just, I don't know what you guys that got was going on. Shut so. up. Yeah. That and I'm like, bad. Danielle, it, it's like so much pressure every morning not to make a, a sound. Yeah, just to I'm afraid by. to fart. I swear <laughs> to God. And I'm like, D, I'm trying. The room is about the size of this studio. What do you want me to do? And she just slammed the door and back to bed. But she'll be mad at me all day now. And then at about 4 o'clock, I'll get a call. I'm exhausted because you keep me up every night. And what do you want me to do? <laughs> Maybe you should sleep in the tub. She's going to end up making me sleep in Gabe's room. I guarantee you that. That's going to be the next thing. Yeah. If you're going to get up like this, making noise yeah. and uh, making throwing, noise. Throwing, I mean, I, I, I didn't make any around. noise. I didn't make any noise. It doesn't matter. So we're moving out of the hotel, hopefully in the next two or three weeks, and moving into an apartment either in Midtown or Battery Park, for like four months. And now they're saying we're going to get a three-bedroom apartment, even though Ava's in college. She'll have me sleeping in a different room, I guarantee you. So. Oh, if you have an extra room, you're there. That's it. Get ready. Aye, aye, aye. Get what the linens day. ready. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Dove Hikind, talking about a long day ahead of him. Dove Hikind is one of the great politicians in the history of New York. Spent the better part of four decades as a big-time assemblyman in Brooklyn, that great, um, that great area, Borough Park. And you may remember this guy, Joey Borgen. He got beat up, and the uh, DA, Alvin Bragg, basically slapped the guy on the wrist. This happens all the time, but in this specific case, Dove Hikind and the Jewish community really got angry. So he tweeted this yesterday along with a video, and it reads, Join us in demanding hashtag justice for Joey Borgen this Thursday, that's tomorrow. January the 26th, 8.30 a.m., in front of Manhattan Criminal Court. Let's send a loud and clear message to at Manhattan DA, which, of course, is that louse Alvin Bragg, 
that if there will be no justice, there sure as hell will be no silence. Hashtag end Jew hatred. Here he is, the voice of the Jews, the king of all Jews, my dear friend Dove Hyken. Good morning, Dove. Good morning, uh, Sid. Good to be with you, and I appreciate, uh, you know, you being, uh, you know, my brother, uh, which you are, uh, in this fight against, you know, a Jew hatred. That's what we yeah. call a Jew hatred. You know, Joey Borgen is a young man walking in Manhattan in, in 2021, a Times Square area, and, you know, he's wearing the yarmulke. He's identifiably Jewish, and this mob chases him, beats the hell out of him, ends up in the hospital with a concussion and other injuries. And as you know, Sid, you know, someone who goes through this kind of attack lives with the attack for the rest of his life. I I mean, I can only imagine when he puts his head on the pillow every single night going back to what happened to him. I mean, you can see the videos. They were all over. He's on the ground and being attacked by this gang, by this mob. They don't know the guy. They don't know Joey Borgen. Joey Borgen could be Dove Hyken wearing a yarmulke or any other person identifiably Jewish at that point and gets assaulted. Joey thinks he's going to die. That's what he said. He thought he was dead. Uh, These guys, as they're attacking him, we are going to kill you, dirty Jew. That's what they say to him. And the the funny thing is, after, you know, these guys are arrested, uh, Wasim, one of the people who uh, was part of this gang, uh, who was using crutches, metal crutches, to beat Joey over the head. He says, and this was all out there, the DA in Manhattan, when uh, Wasim was arraigned, even said, the perpetrator said, I would do it again. I would do it again. Yeah, he actually he added to that, and he said, not only would he do it again, but he said, I hope that Hamas kills all the Jews, all of them. Yeah, I mean, these are, these are, again, just people filled with hate. As I said, they don't know Joey, but he is a Jew, period. It's about Jews. So well, well, let me, well, let me ask you this. Before you talk about tomorrow, before you talk about tomorrow, let me ask you this, though. I got sure. the mayor. I got the mayor coming up at 8.05. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, I know, for example, Mayor Eric Adams went to Greece I know you know about that. There was a big anti-Semitism conference. He was there for that. He has held a couple of press conferences here in New York, him and the police commissioner, Keyshawn Sewell. So he's talked about it. He's addressed it, no question about it. But a lot of Jewish people say, well, talking about it is great, but the hate crimes are still going up. So if it was you sitting here at 8.05 this morning and not me talking to Mayor Eric Adams, what would you say to him? What I would say... Based on the numbers of the police department, month after month, where attacks upon Jews, uh, there are more attacks upon Jews than all the other protected groups put together. And in the month of November, three times as many attacks upon Jews compared to all the other groups. I would say to the mayor, you know, can I get, you know, a copy of the plan? When there's a serious problem, you know, which we have, we've never seen numbers like this, Sid. I mean, 36 years in the New York State Assembly, my entire life, we always had anti-Semitism. I get it. People hate. You know, it's, it's sick. It doesn't make sense. But now we have a situation 
serious like I have never seen, right? What's the plan? That's what I want to know. When there's a serious housing crisis, when there's a serious problem with uh, whatever it may possibly be, there's got to be a plan. You know, we're going to do A, B, C. We're going to address it. I mean, one of the things that no one talks about is the fact that, uh, you know, over, you know, 70 percent of the attacks upon Jews are being committed by people from the black community. Again, I've said it again and again. It's not about blaming the black community or any community, but you've got to face the reality of who is, who are the perpetrators. Over 90 percent uh, are other minorities attacking Jews. We need to have those discussions. We need to know precisely how are we going to address it. So I would, and again, there is no plan. I've asked for the plan. Send me a copy. I don't know, four pages, two pages. How is it going to be dealt with? Look, Mayor Adams, I know him quite well. Does he care? Yes, of course. But words are cheap, and action is what we need. A specific plan to address the hate, where it's coming from, who's responsible for the attacks upon the Jewish people. You know, at, you know. just preparing for the show this morning, I'm looking uh, uh, at my screen here. There was an attack in Crown Heights against a Jewish woman. There was an attack upon a synagogue in Staten Island. I mean, it's... Sid, it's every yep, freaking day. day. Yep. Every freaking day. It is. No, it is. There's no question. And I, I see the same stories, and it frustrates me, too. I'll, I'll bring this up with Eric, uh, the mayor, when he comes on at 8.05. Now, tomorrow, again, you're going to be uh, outside 8.30 in front of Manhattan Criminal Court. This louse. Center Street. Yes, uh, that's right. This uh, horrible person, this uh, Alvin Bragg, who really has become public enemy number one. Anybody who cares about this city, anybody who cares about the people in our city, uh, Alvin Bragg is public enemy number one. So the folks may want to join you tomorrow in this really good cause. 830 Manhattan Criminal Court. What's it going to be? Are you going to speak? Give us some details well, on tomorrow's event. Well, there's going to be a rally, and then there's going to be a press conference. You know, Alvin Bragg, this is very simple. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone out there, he cares more for the perpetrators of crime. Uh, that is the criminal. He cares more about the criminal. He has greater Rachmanis, pity, for the criminal <laughs> than the innocent victims but, of crime, especially, which means you and I, the right, citizens of New York. Especially the black criminal. Again, I, I know we, 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 we got it. You know, people say you got to be careful. I don't. I'm not careful. I tell the truth. Blacks are the ones beating up the Jews in big numbers. Blacks are the ones beating up the Asians in big numbers. And Alvin Bragg will bend over backwards to make sure a guilty black person doesn't do time. That's the bottom line. Everyone out there, pretend that Joey Borgen is your son, your father, your grandfather. I mean, people talk about how much they care and so on and so forth. Well, tomorrow morning, I know it's not easy. I'm coming from Woodmere to New York with my wife early in the morning because I have no choice. I need to be there for my fellow New Yorker, an innocent young man who was viciously, maliciously attacked by a mob of Jew haters. So everyone out there, come by. Uh, Sid, I think the right word is you get a mitzvah. That is correct, yes. You'll get a mitzvah. <laughs> yes, you will. Good <laughs> Yes. All right, so 8.30 tomorrow morning, get a mitzvah, show up, meet my dear friend Dove Hiking and his lovely wife in front of the Manhattan Criminal Court, and uh, let uh, the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, the governor, even the mayor, let them all know that what's going on with the Jewish people is not okay, 
And uh, as uh, you pointed out, though, more than once in this conversation, it's getting worse. It's not getting any better. Absolutely. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I got to tell you, Sid, uh, well, you and I have been talking for years. You know, it's again and again talking about this Jew hatred. And, and as someone who my family went through the Holocaust, you know, I'm talking about Auschwitz. I'm talking about not having grandparents. I don't have grandparents, Sid, because they went to Auschwitz. They went to concentration camps, and they were murdered the day they got there. For one right. reason, Sid, right. because they were Jews. That was the crime that they committed. That is real. That's what hate can ultimately lead to. It doesn't start with a concentration camp, with a gas chamber. It starts with the kind of violence that we are witnessing on a regular basis, and we need to be tough and strong, and not a not afraid, as you said, Sid, to, to talk the truth. That's what we need to do if we're ever going to deal with this in a serious fashion. Dove, you're the absolute best, a hero to the Jewish people, just such a, such a great man. I wish you the best of luck tomorrow morning. Keep talking, keep fighting. We need you. Thank you so much. We'll talk again very, very soon, pal. Thanks. Sid, thank you so much. There he is, uh, the great Dove Hyken. Once again, join him. And I'm sure many, many, many others tomorrow morning at 8.30 in front of Manhattan Criminal Court. Justice for Joey Borgen. And really on a much bigger level, justice for the Jewish people. Lots more to come over the next three hours. You're going to hear from Brian Kilney. Congressman Peter King was on the set of Blue Bloods a couple of days ago. Jennifer Harrison, the very sexy Lisa Guerrero, and the mayor himself, Eric Adams. All that in the next three hours. Right here on New York's Best Talk Show. That's me, that's us. Sitting friends in the morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. We're going to have to punch Chris Cuomo right across the face. Hey, uh, Phil, that was a great job by Dove Hyken. Uh, thank you, Dove. Did you get all those text messages back and forth between me and um, pretty boy wuss-ass Chris Cuomo? Did you, Did you get those? Did you send them to me? No, what's the, I think Alec has them. All right, yeah, he, Justin says he has them. Why would I have them? You didn't give me anything. Who's uh, playing me in this? Uh... I thought it was going to be me. Yeah, Lou should play me. Lou does Lou, a very Lou, good Sid Rosenberg. Yeah. No, actually, Phil would probably be funny funny doing it, though. Well, who, well, I don't know, but I don't care. I don't care either. Uh, we you gotta have auditions. Who, well, uh, Elika, are you definitely playing Chris Cuomo? You like I, Cuomo? I, I can do a great Chris Cuomo if you want me to do a Chris Cuomo. Well, how do you do a great Chris Cuomo? He's, got, he's probably seen him a hundred times. I know, times but you've, you've, actually, you've actually practiced your Chris Cuomo? I've seen him do it but when he's by himself in the studio. He just randomly starts doing Chris Cuomo. Yeah, he's done it in the kitchen. <laughs> he's, he's Stop getting it. That's like the one person. Like, he just... You call me Frodo. You oh. call me Frodo. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, he's All right. right. That's it. All right, you're Chris Cuomo. So now it's either going to be Macedonia Phil or the great Lou Rufino playing me. I have zero emotional investment into this. Well, you have zero emotional investment into everything in life. That's probably true. I right. told you to get me to cut. Shut up. <laughs> that's, that's it. He's playing me. That's it. It's over. You're out, Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, Philly. Your ear, but I tell you, your ears must have been ringing at dinner last night because, uh, you know, again, Danielle's been working later. So me and Gabriel have dinner together. I found this uh, really cute little Italian restaurant on uh, 34th 
between Park and Lex. Very good. And the lady who owns it happens to be from Serbia. She knew Drazen Petrovic, the net star who was killed on the Autobahn in Germany many years ago. Superstar NBA player many years ago. And her waiters are from, like, um, Montenegro and from... Um, What's the other place where Vadi Divac is from? Uh, Croatia? Yes. Serbia? Serbia? Serbia. Very good. Yeah. So we're having this long conversation last night about all these uh, Croatian NBA players. And Jokic came up and all this stuff. And anyway, your ears must have been ringing because Gabriel brought you up more than once. Oh. In very great. complimentary fashion, by the way. Well, I, there's no other way to bring me up. <laughs> no, no. No, you should have heard the conversation. I tried to steer him the other way. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hour number two is coming up on this epic Wednesday morning, which includes Bill O'Reilly's morning message, Brian Kilmeade, and a big anniversary for me, Sid Rosenberg, coming up on Friday. Keep it right here. Hour two is some Boston on the other side. Is Sid and friends in the morning? No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off the evening by lighting up, boy, from my friends, the star of the show, boy, boy. I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. This is Sid and friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Seventy-seven WABC. Came in second on American Idol. Home, I love this song. Maybe third, even. I think he actually finished third. I think he came in fourth. Fourth, even. It was. I remember and that was like a big part of my childhood. Was American yeah. Idol? Was he one, the one with Taylor Hicks? No, I think Carrie. No, no, well, Kelly Pickler lost to him. I don't remember. I just remember it was a huge uh, uh, like upset when he lost. Like yeah. everyone expected him to win. But he has. Uh, he's had an amazing career since and. You know, we got uh, a lot of big guests coming on today. We just spoke to Dove Hyken. They got a big rally tomorrow outside Manhattan Criminal Court for Joey Borgen, this Laos Alvin Bragg, Brian Kilmeade, Mayor Eric Adams, Peter King, Jennifer Harris, and Lisa Guerrero all stopping by. But uh, I've told this story about this particular song before, and that was many years ago. I was down in Florida, 
And I really wanted to get back to New York in the worst way. I remember people saying to me, Sid, 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 you have this gorgeous house in Boca Raton. You got a pool in the backyard. Everything's brand new. Two-car garage. Gorgeous community, gated community. Tennis courts. My kids went to school right across the street, both Ava and Gabe. Nine-minute drive to the beaches in East Boca. Making a six-figure salary with no state tax in South Florida. Why? In a million years, are you so, so caught up on getting back to New York? And I'm like, listen, it ended really ugly. 2005 WFAN, it ended really ugly. Never made it to the Giants pregame show. Wrapped up in all kinds of addiction issues. Lost my house in Tenafly, New Jersey. My son wasn't born yet, had no job. It just, it ended ugly. And I always wanted to be that radio star in New York. I became that star in Miami, but it's just not the same, man. I'm sorry. I mean, I did radio shows with a guy named Scott Kaplan that was syndicated in as many as 80 cities across America. Sports Fan Radio Network, Westwood One, Joel Hollander. I mean, big cities, folks. I would go to Vegas, Kansas City, Los Angeles. It didn't matter. I really wanted to be a big-time radio guy in New York, and it ended, like I said, in humiliating and embarrassing fashion, and no one's fault but mine, but mine. So I spent the next 11 years, despite enjoying really good success in South Florida, itching to get back to New York. And I remember one trip, Mark Lepselter was my agent. He's not anymore, but he was representing me and Joe Beningo from WFAN and Tiki Barber and Lawrence Taylor a lot of big, a lot of big time guys, Brandon Tierney, a lot of big time guys, and I came up to New York to get a different agent. So I met with Don Buckwald. Don represents Howard Stern. I think Don even represents Bo Deedle now in his movie career. I didn't meet with Don. I met with a guy named Tony. Oh man, I forgot his last name. Tony Burton, who works in Don Buckwald's office. Leslie Gold gave me that information on the radio chick, and I said, "Listen." You got to help me get back to New York, man. I mean, I can do this. I was a star at FAN. I, I can do this. Well, you know, you've got this issue, that issue, and, you know, they're a little nervous. I said, come on, man. I'm on every morning in Miami, showing up every day, putting on great shows. Need to come back. And, you know, he gave me the, all the answers I wanted to hear. And I walked out of the office, and I put my headset on, and that was the song that was playing. Chris Daughtry home. And in the song, the lyrics actually go, I'm coming home, back where I belong. And I started to cry because I cry about everything. You know, that's just how I am. And that brings me to Friday. I'm going to cry again on Friday. Because after all those years doing all those shows, 790 The Ticket down in Miami, 560 WQAM, down in Miami, 640 Sports in Pompano and Palm Beach in the north part of Palm Beach County. All those years, finally, in 2016, Chad Lopez, who was on with me and Andrew yesterday, pulled the trigger. He had some help. People like Curtis Sliwa, Jill Vitale, Pete Morgan, 
Certainly not Don Imus. He didn't want me back. Screw him. Enough of the Imus stuff. Got enough of that. Mike McVeigh didn't really want me. Milner didn't want me. But Chad pulled the trigger in 2016. And then I remember when I got it, my last night in my house in Boca, I was like, wow, I'm really leaving. You know, it's been 11 years and my kids grew up there. My son was born there, Gabriel. And then it hit me like, wow, I'm actually going back to New York. And it was weird. And my family couldn't come with me because my kids were in school. I came back in January of 2016 in the middle of the school year. We couldn't pull Ava and Gabriel out of school. So Danielle and the kids stayed in South Florida. And I came back alone and moved in with my sister, Ray Sherry, and brother-in-law, Albert, in Mill Basin in Brooklyn. And for the better part of six months, I lived with them while Danielle and the kids were still in Florida. It was weird. I remember the, the morning I, I left. It was a beautiful day and about 75 degrees and sunny. And I got to Fort Lauderdale International Hollywood Airport. And I called Danielle, told her I loved her, and she planned on coming up to New York like once a month. I was going to go down to Boca like once a month. And here I was. The dream was becoming a reality. And I leave Fort Lauderdale, 75 and sunny, and I land at Kennedy Airport. And I think I was there about two minutes. And I swear to God, Lou, I go, oh, my God, what did I do? What did I just do? The snow was piled up. You guys had had one of the most record-breaking snowstorms you ever had in January, late January of 2016, 24 inches. It was cold, snowy, dirty, and filthy. I mean, Fort Lauderdale Airport is, you could eat off the floor. Kennedy Airport, it was like, oh, my God. It was gross. Yeah, I would have yelled at the plane. Uh, can you just hang on? You go round trip, right? Right. That's it. I'm, I, I, I made a mistake. Just uh, hang on. Then I hop in a cab and go to my sister's house, and my brother Albert goes, are you ready to shovel? He was half <laughs> kidding. But I'm like, are you nuts? Shovel? That's why I moved to Boca in the first place. I never even saw one of those things. I actually did help a little bit. Not much. Albert did most of the work, but I did shovel just a little. What, you use your coffee cup? <laughs> And I'm outside of my Sid Rosenberg T-shirt, you know, and it's still snowing. It's still snowing. It's icy. And I went to bed that night, and my father, my father Harvey, God rest his soul, he was so excited that I was home back in New York. He wanted to drive me to my first. I said, Dad, 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 I'll take the train. At the time, it was only the midday show with Bernard, and we were on from 10 to noon. So it wasn't like I had to be there early for Imus, so I could take an 8 o'clock train. And my father was like, no, I want to take you. So my father picked me up at my sister's house in Mill Basin and drove me to Madison Square Garden for my first day of work. This was like a good 25th hour. End of Yeah. Right? It reminded me, Louis, my father used to drive me to school every day, poly prep and all these schools. And here I was now, older, two kids. Oh, that's crazy. And my daddy was driving me to work. Yeah. And he was so happy and so excited. And I was, I'm not going to say I was scared to death, because I know I'm great at this. I mean, at the risk of sounding like a complete a-hole. I I mean, I I really believe in my heart of hearts, I'm the best host in the country, and I've been for a long time. For a long time. On terrestrial radio. Stern's better, but he's not on terrestrial radio. There's nobody who could do what I do. Nobody. Nobody. 
So I wasn't scared or nervous. And I had success already at, at WFAN in New York. But there was an anxiety factor, you know, first day back and Geraldo Rivera's mic and Mary's old office and, you know, all these uh, big time figures in New York. And I walked upstairs and that was it. January 27th of 2016, the Bernie and Sid Midday Show was born. And then management, especially Chad, came to the quick realization, these guys are pretty good. And uh, Imus is making way too much money. He wasn't getting any ratings. He's bringing him money. He was bringing him money, you know, hack and sack and all that stuff. But they had had enough of Don. It was over. And it was maybe two years. And they moved us from the midday show to the morning show. And as they say, the rest is history. And now this Friday, believe it or not, is January the 27th. And I can't believe it. I posted this on my Instagram yesterday, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, and my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg. But this Friday, seven years. Now, I've been doing radio since 1997, 26 years. And like I said, at one point, I was syndicated in about 100 markets. I have never lasted more than four years at any job. Even that first epic stay with you, Lewis, at WFAM between 2000 and 2005. Seven years. Friday coming up on a WABC with the midday show with Bernard, the morning show with Bernard, and now this great show. And when I think about it, it's a very emotional day for me because of all that's happened. I mean, when I got back in 2016, Bernie was my partner, and he's gone. I miss was still on the air, prick or not, he's gone. My number one fan, my dad, who was maybe more excited than anybody, he's gone. And there are others, too, family members and friends that I've lost along the way. So there's this hole. I'm such a chick, my God, I make myself sick. But there's this hole bowl of emotion. I'm sitting on the train yesterday. And I took this uh, picture of the New York Post. It was in the New York Post last week. It's a great picture of me. I don't know how they got it. but And I used that picture to post Friday's anniversary. And I'm on the shuttle going from the east side to the west side at 42nd Street. And I'm sitting there. It's about a two-minute ride. And I- I'm telling you, Phil and Lewis, I'm not exaggerating. I start to cry like Ben Stiller in Something About Mary. Because it all came back. All the friends and family and people that have been on this great journey the last seven years. And they're gone. But it was all worth it last night when I was having dinner with Gabriel. And he saw the post, you know. And he said, "Uh, Dad, I'm really proud of you. And that's all you did to hear. So, Friday is the seven-year anniversary. Let me just say this from a business standpoint, and this angers some of you. I don't care. The show has never been better. Never been better. That is not a knock at Bernard. Me and Bernie were great. Bernie was fantastic. Hall of Famer, legend, icon, and most importantly, one of the best human beings I ever knew. But this show has never been better. We've got a tremendous amount of support between John and Margot and Chad and everybody else. You guys are great. 
We've expanded our guest list. We talk to mostly Republicans because I'm a Republican, but Democrats, people like the mayor, the speaker may join us next week. There's a lot more laughs now than we had for many years. I think you guys would all agree with that. I think the show is, is what I wanted it to be when I came back, the show that I did in Florida, which is the reason why I got back. I gave these tapes to Craig Schwab and Chad Lopez and said, take a listen to this. This will work in New York. And they said, you're right, it will. But I really couldn't implement a lot of it because we were so kind of set in our political ways. And it just became noisy and angry. And it didn't represent a morning show like I wanted to do. Even though, for the most part, I've hosted this show for the last seven years. But now I think we've hit our stride. But I do want to thank the listening audience and all of our friends out there that continue to support this program. And to my dad, if you're listening right now, I'm home, Pop. I miss you. You always seem to give me another try. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Wednesday, received significant reaction to my column on BillOReilly.com, copping to a malady that I have, Biden Derangement Syndrome, or BDS. I do not want this condition. In fact, I mocked Americans who display Trump Derangement Syndrome. Now I'm in the same place, not a good place. I've always tried to be fair in my news analysis, even when I'm dealing with folks who see things differently than I do. I hear their arguments and I try to put forth better arguments. That's what I do. But President Biden doesn't even try to defend his policies. He simply says the border is secure. Well, it's not secure. So he's delusional. How can you counter delusional? A few days ago, Mr. Biden stated he has no regrets about taking classified documents he should not have taken. No sorry, no explanation, nothing. Hard to analyze, nothing. The guy is getting to me. It's not healthy. It's what the Trump haters do. But I don't hate Biden. I very much dislike the damage he's doing to the country. I would like to convince him that out-of-control spending Open borders, unfair equity policies, and violent crime are problems he should be addressing. But he's not, and I can't make him. So I have the syndrome. That is the Morning O'Reilly Update. More analysis later on. Entertaining and informative. This 
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. To Alicia Keys, 41 years old today. I like her. You're cute. Happy birthday to Alicia Keys. You know, on this date, back in 2017, one of Lou Rufino's favorite actresses passed away. Phyllis Diller? That's right. All right. Incorrect. At the age of 80, we lost Mary Tyler Moore. Loved Mary. And back in 1947. Mr. Grant! On this date, at the age of 68, maybe the most famous gangster ever, Al Capone passed away on this day. I want his house dead. I want his family dead. <laughs> Very good. Robert De Niro, The Untouchables. Kevin Costner was great as Elliot Ness in that movie. Sean Connery was great in that movie. He's that too, by the way. God. But only the team succeeds. Good. The team. The team. team. <laughs> you know, to have the courage. You come up to my family, what are you to get out of here? You got nothing. You don't got the te- you don't got the accountant. You don't got anybody. You got nothing. He did kill the accountant, yes. Yeah. Very um very mean. Yeah. I think what Andy Garcia killed. It him. may have been Andy Garcia, oh, yes. Uh, oh, killed the guy who was holding the account. That was a heck of a catch, now that you think yeah. about it, right? Man, yeah, the Untouchables. That was, that was a great movie. Great, great movie. Yeah. Miss, Mr. Ness. <laughs> I think he I think he'd wanted you to have that. <laughs> right, we're gonna talk to uh, Brian Kilmeade coming up next. Then we will talk at eight oh five to the mayor, Eric Adams, back for a second time this month, eight forty. My dear friend, the great Congressman Peter King, 905, she leads a huge victim, uh, victim advocates group, Jennifer Harrison. And then at uh, 925, the lovely Lisa Guerrero. There's a story coming out of upstate New York that I want to talk to Jennifer Harrison about. It just broke my heart. I have a daughter named Ava, and there's a little girl, 14 years old, beautiful girl, straight-A student, soccer player, track and field star, and not that it matters, but beautiful girl. And her name was Ava Wood. And her father, this piece of low-life garbage, suffered from depression. Who cares? The father hated the mother. For some reason, the father had custody of this little girl. And the father had been fighting with the mother recently. And he left the mother a voice message last Thursday night. And it went like this. This is how it ends for us. 
The next morning, Friday morning, the mother got a phone call from Ava's school that she never showed up. And when police got to the house in upstate New York, they found little Ava Wood dead from a gunshot wound to her head. And this lowlife animal was dead, too, because he killed himself. Just kill yourself, man. I know you hate the wife. Kill the wife. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that, but why murder an innocent little girl, your daughter, who loved you? Why do that? Just kill yourself. These guys do that type of stuff all the time. It's a brutal story. You know, I was in the gym, and I never leave the gym. I take my workouts very, very seriously. I left the gym. I couldn't work out. I was so nauseous. Again, my daughter has the same name. To see this little girl, what she had to go through, because nobody out there heard or saw the warnings. And that's what I want to talk to Jennifer Harrison about coming up at uh, 9.05. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. weekday morning following me on this legendary, iconic radio station, Talk Radio 77 WABC, comes my dear friend, who really does a terrific show, whether it's local or national sports, politics, Brian Kilmeade does it all. And of course, you watch him every morning, Fox and Friends on Fox News. What a great show he's got on Saturday nights. I've been on a bunch as a guest. One Nation, also on Fox News. So he's back. He's on weekly because I love him, and he's great. My friend Brian Kilmeade. Brian, happy hump day Wednesday morning. How are you, pal? All good. What's on your mind, Sid? Well, I'll tell you what's funny is when we're done with this conversation, coming up in about 25 minutes is going to be my friend, the mayor, Eric Adams, who has really done a good job here. He's on about twice a month now, and I think for the most part, my listeners appreciate it. There's a couple of idiots who complain, but I couldn't care less. But he's got a big week coming up. The state of the city, as you know, Brian, comes your way tomorrow. And all this migrant news, asylum seekers, soup kitchens in Brooklyn. It comes down to one thing. I'm getting the same criticism almost every day from a bunch of people. One is he's got to call out Joe Biden by name. National government, federal government, not good enough. He's got to call out Joe Biden by name. And secondly, he's got to shed the sanctuary city because you can't have it both ways. You can't be a sanctuary city and then complain about too many migrants. Are those the same two criticisms You've got for Mayor Eric Adams. Absolutely. And I remember the first week he took the job, he went up to Albany and said, guys, you got to reform this no-cash ballot. My guys are dispirited. Uh, you got to give them qualified immunity. you got to let them feel empowered on the streets. I, we can't process these cases quick enough to keep these people behind bars, give judges some discretion. And they laughed at him. Basically, they told him, hey, Mayor, don't, don't come back here with that. We, we, we legislated that. That's not your business. These are the rules. Deal with it. And what he should do is realizing that he's more popular than all of them, call out their names. Who are the left-wing lunatics who think this current no-cash bail system is actually working? Think, think about Adam Klotz, the 37-year-old meteorologist, does a great job. By the way, good athlete, really a fit guy. Uh, you see somebody's hair. They literally put a match to this guy's hair. He said, guys, knock that off. What are you doing? They beat the hell out of him for about a half hour. 
They found, by the way, there's another picture of him. Yeah. And basically, when Adam, Eric Adams comes out, he goes, well, it's a revolving door. Uh, they found another guy that they're looking for. Uh, they got a big reward of, I think, $3,500 if you can report him. He's probably got uh, algebra today. The kid's in high school. <laughs> so I'm sure he's not going or certainly not excelling. No. So uh, so here, here's the thing. He, he, he says it's revolving door of justice. It's not okay. I mean, to think that they got three of these guys, three of these guys, and they get out the same day. Now you got to go sue privately. And, and that's what you got to do. You got to start costing this city so much money that these lawmakers start losing their seats. You know, I know the uh, this will come up uh, during your show, obviously. It's the cover of today's New York Post, and it reads, Brian Kilmeade, the Bronx is turning. Fed up with New York City crime, shop owners hire private guards to fight back. And the mayor in his office uh, will tell us, and it's true, that uh, most crimes are down, including murders and shootings. Yes, assaults are up, hate crimes are up, but they seem to be making some headway. Right, that's true, robberies are up. They seem to be making some headway, but stories like this don't help the mayor and the city, where a whole block in the Bronx basically says, you can't help us, we'll help ourselves. Your thoughts on that? $18 $18 an hour, uh, five at a time. You know, you can't, in one store can't afford it, but what if the whole strip affords it? So can you imagine this? You take your small parts of, uh, uh, profit margin and you give it out and you hire patrol ambassadors to work with police and hopefully deter the next robbery. But the question is, you put your hands on somebody as they walk in and they just strip, uh, strip these shelves. Uh, they go into CVS and, and they take everything they can. Can they put their hands on somebody? Can they tackle them? Do they have guns? Uh, so what can they actually do? Because we hear these security guards are told, don't touch them. They, they, you know, they're supposed to sit there and not doing anything. So that's why they're so brazen when they walk in. Uh, you know, Curtis Slewa and I were texting yesterday because of the Adam Clot situation. These, the subways are wide open, too. He's thinking, I got to get my 300 Guardian Angels back. This is going to be 1970 all over again. I mean, to me, if I'm seeing this and I'm the mayor, I'm embarrassed. The people on Fordham Road in a, a nice shopping district are so sick of being robbed, they have to pay extra money with the, the biggest police force in the country in order to get a degree of security. How unbelievable is that? It is ridiculous. No, oh, it is hard to believe. Brian Kilmeade coming up at 10 o'clock. Of course, One Nation and Fox and Friends on uh, Fox News. Uh, let's move from the local stuff to the national stuff. I have to tell you, Brian, that if I hear one more story about another location where they found more documents, whatever hair I've got left, I don't have much, I'm going to set it on fire. I mean, I just don't care. I don't. I understand what he's done is bad. He's lied. He, but he's a bad guy, right? And if I'm going to make an argument that with Donald Trump, what he did wasn't all that bad, and I know that Biden was the VP and the senator, not the president, I can't get too crazy with this. I have to be consistent. This story is going on way too long. It's too much. And in the end, you know this, there will be zero repercussions for both Donald Trump and Joe Biden with these stories. Well, Sid, until we get the revelations on Biden, Trump wasn't out of the woods. I thought he was. And now this, Mike Pence... He's free. I mean, this is a major story. It shows the F, it shows the inequities in which how these things are handled. I'll raid I'll raid your place and I'll ask, you know, and when it comes to Joe Biden, I'll, I'll knock on the door and say, eventually, do you mind if I go check out one of your houses? The other guy gives up 16 boxes a day. They ask. They say, we'd like to see more. They show him. He goes, I'd like to take this. They said, we like to hold on to this. They say, we're going to subpoena. He goes, well, let's meet about it. And when between the let's meet about it, they raid the place. 
and go through Baron Sokdra, all right? They go through Melania's closet as opposed to, hey, Joe, do you mind if I go to your beach house next week? They only do it on weekends, which is nice. So he's, go- he's going to go to Camp David this week, and they're probably going to go to Rehoboth. So America's getting to see the different ways in which it's handled. And now Mike Pence, who's the definition of integrity, says, I had my staff go through it. Well, it turns out one of the boxes has yeah. some uh, material yeah, Pence has it classified. So, yeah. but, so but, don't you think, uh, Sid, it neutralizes everything? Well, I mean, I think it does, but this is not a new story. I mean, the fact that Donald Trump gets treated differently than everybody else, we've seen that now for six years. I mean, Merrick Garland can talk all he wants, and the DOJ can say whatever they want. So can the FBI. This is not a new story. I mean, the documents are new. But for six years, we've been seeing how Donald Trump gets treated differently from everybody else. This is just another example of something that, quite frankly, is getting kind of old. As of yesterday, uh, yeah. Uh, the other thing is, I don't know how's a senator. You know, I was talking to Trey Gowdy yesterday, Lindsey Graham, and just going, guys, what is the procedure? He said, you have to intentionally take it. You have to stick it in your pants. I mean, this is even before what? the uh, Blackbird. <laughs> you got to stick. You got to stick this stuff in your pants. Put it in your sock, and you got to deny it. When people say, do you have anything, you got to say no. So he took these, this paperwork when he was senator. I mean, before the Apple Watch, where they don't let you go in there with an Apple Watch. So that shows intent. Nobody thinks that Mike Pence intentionally did it. Nobody thinks that Donald Trump was trading secrets doing for memorabilia. I ask you, what, you know, we, we look at the bigger picture with that laptop, and we wonder, why is Joe's brother's house not raided? What does Hunter know? Miranda Devine looks at some of these emails uh, when I drew through Burisma, and she thinks he, uh, somehow Hunter got a look at some intelligence in order to put together these sophisticated emails. That is something of interest, but I think it just makes Biden weaker, but it doesn't stop him from running again. I still right. think in a couple right. of weeks we'll be talking about his reelection campaign. I do too. And Donald Trump evidently has ticked up seven points uh, since this, uh, all the revelations came out about Biden. Can you imagine if he keeps his powder dry and goes back to the fun-loving guy that ran in 2015, 2016, and, and stop talking about 2020? He'll become much more formidable. Well, I think he already is. In fact, I had Larry Trump on the show two days ago, and, and she talked about the president, how focused he is, and how he's ready to go. And, you know, the Ron DeSantis factor doesn't really scare him. She goes, listen, Sid, I live in Florida. So does Kimberly. So does Donald Jr. We love this state. And Ron's doing a great job as governor. But as we always talk about, there's a big difference between being a great governor of one state and running the country. Ron DeSantis has potential. Donald Trump's already done it. So, yes, to your point, if he remains focused off of what we see now with Joe Biden and the document scandal, if Donald Trump stays away from saying something stupid, which is no guarantee, by the way, then he's going to put himself in very, very good position. Yeah. But I, I think that Ron DeSantis, I mean, even with this education thing, is another perfect play. He's looking at the education. It doesn't look like politics. If you read the curriculum when it comes to these schools and African-American studies, it doesn't mean don't study the African-American experience. It means the curriculum, basically written by Black Lives Matter, is anti-American. You go over and, and you know, you talk about Booker T. Washington. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, and then talk about W.E.B. Du Bois. Go ahead. Yep. But you talk to Shelby Steele, talk about Al Sharpton, talk about more of the, but would you don't go in there and only talk about leftist ideology and make people think that if you're black, you shouldn't be an American. And he looked at the curriculum. He didn't look at the title. And again, that's great instincts for DeSantis. And I keep in mind, 
the person that's going to get this nomination has to be able to get not Sid Rosenberg, but to get people that are Democrats and independents. Yeah. Those are yep, that's yep, a yep. candidate. Anybody else, doesn't matter if they agree with you or not. You're wait you're spinning your wheels. That's what we learn. If you're gonna you, if you're gonna put a nominated candidate that gets thirty nine percent, you have lost. And ask yourself, what does it take to win? Well, you just nailed it. You need to get Danielle Rosenberg, not Sid Rosenberg, to win this race. About two minutes to go, Brian. We're down to the but final. you still have value, Sid. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't, I don't want this hurting your self-esteem. <laughs> down to the final four in, uh, in the National Football League. A couple of weeks away now from Super Bowl 57 in Phoenix, Arizona. Some really great matchups here. The Eagles hosting San Francisco. And uh, for the second straight year, the Bengals, who I think is the best team in football right now, in Kansas City taking on the Chiefs. Give me uh, the winners and the Super Bowl matchup coming up in three weeks. I think it's for the third time we will see the 49ers play the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. How about uh, that? Uh, yeah, I think for the third time we're going to see it. It's an easy, uh, it's an easy sell. And I think the, the 49ers gotten better each year. The biggest story that I can remember, the most intriguing story that I can uh, think of in football is this Brock Purdy situation. How do you go undefeated as a guy carrying a clipboard and street clothes, mm. the last person in the draft, yep. to leading a team to the NFC title game? Yep. Uh, I mean, and do you see him scan the field? He scanned the fields like a video game. I'm saying, how the hell is he so relaxed? He is you terrific. Know, it, took Daniel, it, yep. it took Daniel Jones uh, three years to be. I, I admit he had no line, and they got, he's got a great line. But this guy scans the field like he's Joe Montana. Literally in Joe Montana's uniform. Yep. So I and and I just can't believe that what he's able to do. So I don't see the moment being too big for him. If last week wasn't too big against the Cowboys, right? I don't think this week will be too yeah. big. I actually think uh, Dallas should have won that game. Dak Prescott had two brutal interceptions. As good as this kid has been, he's not winning in Philadelphia on the road in a game like this. I like the Eagles and the Bengals, but hey, you may be right. Joe Montana beat the Bengals twice in the 80s, beating Forrest Craig and Kenny Anderson and then Sam Weiss and Boomer Esiason. Right. Uh, Forrest Craig did not play in that game. He coached. Right, as did Sam Weiss. Right. (laughs) Very good. but but Sid, will you when you, when the 49ers win? Yeah. Will you bring back this soundbite? No. Of Brian Kilmeade being right and no. Sid being wrong. Absolutely not. It doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm got, I'm talking to Justin. Justin's taping it. He's got his reel to reel going. He's going to edit it down, uh, and we're going to play this back because I will be right again. And then I'm going to Arizona to do. <laughs> I'll do the show Friday and Monday. By the way. Oh, you from are Arizona. really? Is that true? Yeah. I'm so jealous. That's all true. Oh, that's awesome. Good for right. you. Hey, listen, man, your show on ABC is uh, is great. It really is. You're great on Fox News. And I love you on this show once a week. Thank you so much for coming on again today. Right. We'll talk again very soon. But we'll never have twice a week, right? Once a week is enough, correct? No, you're working your way towards twice a week. And by the way, you're working your way towards moving in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Sid. We'll see. Thanks so much for your support. You're a superstar. You too. Thank you. Stay within yourself. (laughs) Thank you, buddy. Play your game. There he is, 10 o'clock every weekday after me, Brian Kilmeade. And, of course, check him out on Fox & Friends and One Nation on Fox News. We'll take a break. Coming up shortly, the mayor of New York City, my friend Eric Adams, right here on Sid & Friends in the morning.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I look out of the corner of my eye and there's the mayor, Eric Adams, sitting with um, Donnie Douche, Al Sharpton, two other people. It's not Joe and Mika, but it is Morning Joe on MSNBC. So I guess he's going to wrap this up and... Hop on with me, and they've covered uh, the same stuff we'll talk about, crime and the subways and the numbers, which uh, are going down, major crime, murder down, rape down. Um, In fact, uh, out of the seven major categories, five of the seven are down. But, of course, that's not the narrative you'll hear from a lot of hosts on this station. That's fine. But we'll talk to the mayor coming up in about uh, seven minutes. Not a great New York Post cover, as we spoke about with Brian Kilmeade with the stores in the Bronx. No longer believing the police can help them and taking it upon themselves to protect themselves. That's not great for the mayor in New York City. And then we'll talk to Congressman Peter King coming up at 840. He's always great. Victims advocate Jennifer Harrison. Love her. She's coming up at 905 and former Monday night football sideline reporter and Playboy model, sexy Lisa Guerrero. She'll be here, too, plus a Sid's take for a Wednesday. So a lot to do. Very exciting two hours. Kicking it off with the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, right here on the Nielsen-rated number one news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me. Sitting friends in the morning. Talk Radio 77, WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Now the mayor's been busy again. I just saw him on MSNBC moments ago and... Tomorrow's a big day for the mayor. He's got the state of the city. I want to get into more of that. Last couple of days, he's got the, you know, the Feed of the Homeless initiative, something he does on Wednesday nights. I've done with him. He may be doing that later on tonight. I'm not sure. Also, really helping out the taxi drivers with this new medallion relief program. But, of course, New Yorkers want to talk about crime and asylum seekers and those two major issues. And say what you want about my friend, the mayor, Eric Adams. He does not shy away from the important topics and or the controversy. Instead, he stares it in the face and comes on with me now once or twice a month. Here he is, my friend, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. Eric, what's going on, brother? Hey, Sid. How are you, man? I hope everything is well. Uh, You know, moving straight ahead. And, you know, you said something at the opening that's so important. I'm a typical New Yorker, <laughs> you know, the average New Yorker. Uh, we don't run from problems. We stare it. We know that this is what's in front of us. We have to be prepared for it. You know, we don't always get it right, uh, but it's not perfection. It's dedication. And we're going to continue to be dedicated and turn our city uh, the way we want it to be. 
I believe that's true. I do. But there are two criticisms, Mr. Mayor, that I get every day when it comes to the asylum seekers and the migrants and those issues. And here they are. Why doesn't the mayor call out Joe Biden by name, saying the national government, the federal government, that's not good enough? I want to hear him scream at Joe Biden. Just like I want to hear you scream, by the way, Mayor, Mr. Mayor, at uh, Andrea Stewart-Cousins and Carl Heasty and Kathy Hochul when it comes to the bail reform. That's one. The second one is we cannot be a sanctuary city and complain. You can't have it both ways. You can't be a sanctuary city and then complain about the influx of migrants. So those are the two criticisms, Mr. Mayor, I get all the time. When will he call out people by name and when will he shed sanctuary city? Well, uh, let's peel back both of, both of those questions. Uh, number one, this is a national problem. And the national problem is a long-term and short-term solutions that must be addressed. Reason I say national government, because we have an immigration problem that goes beyond what we're facing right now, and it needs to be fixed. And it takes Congress, and it takes the White House to accomplish that. And if we don't state national, then we're going to leave the other half of the relationship off the hook. Republicans have traditionally and continuously block real comprehensive immigration reform. That has to stop. We have to fix this problem. And second, when you look at my stating that we need a real coordination at the border, that is a responsibility that the White House must do. I made that clear over and over again. Yelling and screaming is not going to solve the problem. Now, when we talk about a sanctuary city, that is codified in law. Uh, there was a lawsuit, and I'm, this is a state and city of law and order. The courts rule that this is a sanctuary, sanctuary city. We have a moral and legal, legal obligation to fulfill that. We don't believe asylum seekers fall into the whole right to shelter conversation. This is a crisis that must be addressed based on what was created on this national uh, platform. Well, I know this. You're about to open up four more emergency hotels. I read a story, Mr. Mayor, about a soup kitchen in Brooklyn being overrun yesterday. So whatever we're doing, when I say we, I mean the federal government, Joe Biden, these other cities, and to a certain extent here in New York, it ain't working because they keep coming and we don't have the money and or the means to take care of this. So what is going to be the end? You talk about this crisis, Mr. Mayor. How's it going to end? getting worse well well no and you're right i don't believe our national government uh, i don't believe they are doing what needs to be done to address this but new york city is doing what it needs to be doing i've been uh, down to the border in el paso and i saw people sleeping on the streets people sleeping in airports uh, i'm seeing what's happening in other municipalities that's not happening here in the city we're overrun but we clearly lead it uh, giving and per- participating in our obligation. We're doing our job. And, you know, people will critique that when I say, listen, there's no more room at the end. And the reason there's no more room at the end is because the federal government is not doing their job. But we have been responding to this crisis for several months. And I want to take my hat off to Senator Schumer and Congressman Jeffries and an entire New York delegation able to secure resources for us, but this must be fixed. It can't be just kicking the can down the road. 
We have to face this because we're at the end of the road. Are you still looking for a billion dollars from Biden and the White House? We, we need a billion dollars from our federal government. Remember, it's a partnership up there. You know, I know that sometimes people believe that it is solely the president, but it's a partnership in Washington, D.C. Uh, when we uh, saw the allocation of 800, over $800 million to this crisis nationally, going to all the cities that are involved, it had to come through Congress to get to success. So it's not that the president can write that check on his own. He needs participation from Congress to get things like this done. I want to go back to something you said, uh, Mr. Mayor, my friend Eric Adams here. You said the Republicans block immigration reform time and time again. That needs to stop. And I will tell you that one of the reasons why they do is because Joe Biden uses a lot of fancy words for one word that we don't want, which is called amnesty. And if that, in fact, is what the Democrats really want at the end of the day, we're going to keep blocking it because we don't want that. What about that? That uh, the amnesty word that Republicans really believe is what the Democrats really want. Well, I think Congress should come together and come to a solution so that we can get beyond it. We can't have uh, decades over decades of talking about this same issue, and now it has basically overrun our entire not only borders, but also other cities. We're seeing what's happening in Chicago, Houston, Washington, uh, Brownsville, Texas, New York City. Uh, This is really unfair to those cities, and it's unfair to the American people who live in these cities. And it's unfair to the migrants uh, that are, are going through this. We deserve to allow people to have a real pursuit to the American dream and citizenship instead of what we're seeing now. Tell you what, uh, Mr. Mayor, uh, you know my, my deal here, moving back into the city, if I dinner with me, Danielle and Gabe, and the disaster back at my house in Rockaway. And so now I take the train to work every morning. I'm on the train, Eric, at a quarter to five in the morning. I mean, it is early. And I will tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, there's a lot of homeless sleeping on those trains, laying themselves out. My car this morning at 4.50 a.m., three homeless guys in my one car. Now, what I have seen... And I had this argument with Curtis Sliwa and Andrew Giuliani yesterday, is police. I've now seen police two consecutive days at my train stop in the morning and going home at 42nd Street. Now, Curtis jokes that you provided me with a detail, which, of course, is not true. So on one hand, the good news is I do see the police presence, but I am seeing a lot of homeless and only a couple of days removed from that Fox News weatherman getting beat up on the subway. And the perception is still, still, Mr. Mayor, that you really can't take the subway because it's too dangerous. Well, I, you know, I, I'm going to push back on that a little because there's a customer satisfactory, satisfactory survey that's coming out, and it says just the opposite. It's saying that people are feeling more and more comfortable on the system. They're seeing the presence of a police officer. Nothing gives us uh, the feeling of safety more than that blue uniform. I say that over and over again. And, you know, let's be clear. We, we have a little over six felonies a day on our subway system that we must get rid of. We must get rid of every one of those felonies. But I said, we have 2.9 million riders, 2.9 million riders. Think about that number for a moment. (laughs) And they get to and from their place of of employment, school, et cetera. You take your train every day. You get to and from every day. So sometimes when those terrible incidents the unfortunate one that happened with the news reporter, 
sometimes when that happens and then we see the visible disorder, we start to feel unsafe in the process. But those customer satisfactory surveys are saying, hey, we like what we're seeing. We like how they did the subway safety plan. We're moving in the right direction. We have to continue uh, to do so. But you know what's really challenging is that when we see that homeless person and we know they can't take care of themselves, some of our laws are restricting us from doing the involuntary removal that's needed. Police officer can't do anything if the person is unkept, is on our subway system, and is sitting on our subway system, and we know that this person needs additional. We cannot have stronger laws to allow us to carry that action out. It's really handcuffing our police officers. It's handcuffing our uh, outreach workers that are really leading this challenge of making sure that we give people the care they deserve. I said, I'm clear. It is inhumane to allow people to live on the streets, live in the subway system, if they cannot take care of their basic needs and they're in danger to themselves. That's just inhumane. And whoever wants that status quo, I don't subscribe to. No, I know you don't. In fact, I do like your homeless plan. I know some of your good buddies, like Jamani Williams, very critical of what you, you put out there. But I thought it was a really good start, to be honest, Mr. Mayor. Eric Adams here again with me, Sid Rosenberg, on 77 WABC. So I see the numbers. I talked to you. I talked to Fabian, the folks at City Hall. Murders are down. Robberies are down. Rapes are down. Not every number is down. Hate crimes, no good. Jews and Asians still being hunted in this city. And assaults are still up. But five of the seven major categories, Mr. Mayor, the numbers are down. You wouldn't know that or think that based on what people say on the streets and even guys at the station. But that happens to be the truth. So are you feeling like there's a real reason for optimism in this city that crime really is on its way down despite the perception? Well, my optimism comes from the police commissioner. I think Keyshawn Sue, Commissioner Sue, is a real leader. Uh, We have uh, Chief of Department, uh, Chief Madry, Chief of Patrol, uh, Chief John uh, Shell. I think that we are moving in a direction uh, where we need to be traveling to, and I think it's imperative that we that we stay there. You know, and I said earlier, uh, 2.9 million riders, but it's actually 3.9 million riders, and that leadership that we're seeing in our system is going to really move us in the right in the right direction. And so we we know that a city of this size, that there's 1,700 people uh, said that we have identified that are repeated violent offenders, 1,700. So we have to go to Albany and zero in on those 1,700 and come up with ways to keep them off the street. And I'm looking forward to speaking with the leadership and the assembly, the leadership in the Senate, and lean into those real ways of having a holistic approach of dealing with public safety in the city. They're engaged. They want to do that. And I think we can find the solutions to make our city well, but safe. Wait, but, but, you, but, you, but, but you've already done this, Mr. Mayor. You went up there. You took it very seriously, talking about bail reform and, and recidivism and all these things. And as far as I know, basically, Stuart Cousins and Heastie and those folks up there in Albany kind of slammed the door and said, no, thanks. We got it covered. You go back to a nice little city in Manhattan. We got it covered. Now, of course, I may be exaggerating here, but that's kind of the way it was explained to us. What makes you think, Mr. Mayor, that if you go back there and try the same thing, that this time it's going to work? 
Well, number one, I, I served in Albany. And anyone that's familiar with Albany knows uh, that uh, you don't get everything you want on your first visit and your first try. Look at the list of things we ask for in Albany around child care, around hotel conversion, around earned income tax credit. We had a list of approximately 10 things that we needed from Albany. And you know what? We got eight of those 10. Two things we disagree, and we got modifications on some of the criminal justice stuff. That's a real win in Albany. You don't get everything you want, and oftentimes you may get one or two items. I got just the opposite. I had a successful a year in Albany on those important things that's improving the lives of New Yorkers, put money back in the pockets of middle-income, low-income New Yorkers. That's a real W for us. And you don't want to burn bridges that you're going to have to cross again. And I got to cross that bridge again this year when I go to Albany and lean into those recidivist problems that we're having. Now, the cover of today's New York Post, Mr. Mayor, there's a street in the Bronx, and these, these owners, like, you know, John Katsimatidis, a mutual friend of ours, dear friend, his stores, Christides, D'Agostinos, they get robbed all the time. The bodegas, they're like freaking out. They get robbed all the time, and now you got this street in the Bronx that basically they've said the police, not enough. We, we got we to gotta actually police our own block. Uh, when you see something like that, that's a little embarrassing, to be honest. What are your thoughts on the cover of today's New York Post? Yeah, and, 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 you know, it, it breaks my heart when I see uh, people walking into stores, uh, stealing whatever they want. That happens all over the country. And, you know, we need to look at a social media role in this also. And one day you should do a show just on uh, what social media is doing <laughs> to our our families. You're right. City. You're right. But, I, but uh, let's be clear. We had a summit two weeks ago with major chain stores, major retail and stores police, prosecutors, we all came together and said, how do we zero in on these retail thefts? And we have a combination. Number one, some of these folks said it's organized crime. They're stealing the items. They're having boosters going still, and they're selling them on the Internet. On the Internet, we partnered with the AG, uh, Letitia James, who went after a large chain. Others, we have people who have real drug problems, people who have real of problems around uh, uh, substance abuse. We want to now take those individuals, instead of them repeatedly participating in this crime, we want to take them and now give them the necessary services they need and try to put them on a pathway of not being arrested 40 times for the same action. If you have a drug problem, let's give you the service you need. If you have a, a, a food problem, let's give you the service you need. Now, those who don't listen, then we need to go the criminal justice route, but we should start siphoning off those and identify the needs that they have so you don't have to go in and commit these crimes. But the organized crime aspect of it, the law enforcement must arrest and prosecute and hold them accountable. Uh, Mr. Mayor, that's a great job. Thank you so much. Good luck tomorrow with the state of the city. We'll all be watching. Keep uh, keep working, man. I mean, I see a difference. I do. I'm back in the city living here. I do. And uh, keep up the good work, and we'll talk again very soon. Maybe I'll see you tonight. I'm not sure. But either way, thank you for coming on this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care, sir. All right, brother. There he is, uh, the mayor, Eric Adams. Andrew Giuliani just sent me a text. He's wrong. He sent me a text that all the numbers are up. It's wrong. Crime is up across the board except for shootings and murders. That's incorrect. Rape is down. 
There are certain assaults that are down. Five of the seven major numbers I saw this morning are down, but it doesn't matter. I love Andrew Giuliani to death, but certain people are never going to like the mayor no matter what. It's like with Trump. You know, if he found the cure for cancer, they say he put doctors out of work. We'll come back more of Sitting Friends in the Morning right after this. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Wake up! Well, they get so crazy, you know. I mean, the mayor hasn't even said goodbye yet, and my phone starts to blow up. I like this part. Leave it playing romantics. I hear the secrets that you keep when you're talking in your sleep. My wife is so mad at me. She wouldn't even talk to me. I tried to call her during the break. She's like, I can't talk. You can't talk. Of course you can talk. I'm a client for three hours. Like, what are you mad about? I'm sorry I woke you up. I was in the bathroom getting ready for work. What was I, having a party? <laughs> Playing loud music? That's kind of funny. I mean, fun. what are you talking about? What are you mad about? <laughs> That's odd. See, you should do tomorrow morning. Is just... now, you know, I, I explained to her all the time. I go, do you understand, Danielle, that you ruined my whole day? Like, she doesn't get it. She doesn't care. But she ruins the whole day. Like, you know, when she's in a good mood, I'm in a good mood, goes to work, I love you. It's all good. And you get mad because I'm getting ready for work at circle 4 o'clock in the morning because I make a really good living doing this job for us, our family. I know you have to work hard 12 hours a day and drive and blah, 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 but like I walked in drunk and, and, and ripped the place apart. I'm getting ready for work. Yeah. What are you mad about? I, 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 I went through a couple of relationships, man, where it didn't work. I actually did. What do you mean? My, my hours became an issue. Sometimes. Okay, well. But I didn't live. Guess what? I, the, the, you know what? I'll quit and I'll go to work for a bank. I, I'll go to work from 9 to 5. I'll make $60,000 a year. And you can sleep, okay? That'll yeah, be great. I, I'm with you. I'm just saying. How you want me to do? I'm just saying. I mean, you got to understand. Crazy. Like, I, I'm afraid to put the, 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 the shaving cream down to make a noise. Right. Well, you you don't understand how, like, yeah. I tiptoe and I'm so quiet. And <laughs> every now and then we're living, we're living in a hotel room. And, you know, it's going to make a sound. But you can't get mad at me. But it was nonsense. That's because you're in one big room. That's why. I know. It's brutal. Yeah. Well, it's brutal. But what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Like I said, if I walked in drunk after a Ranger game and that'd be one thing. (laughs) I'm getting ready to go to work. What do you want me to do? Rangers! And then my phone starts buzzing. The mayor's not even done yet. And he said that the numbers are up. They're not down. And he said this. And he'll be, ay, 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 please. What do you want the guy to do? The guy took over a complete asshole. I'm, well, it's kind of still like that. Okay, but you're not going to get through eight years of the Blasio and fix it in a year. I don't care if you're Rudy Giuliani or Jesus Christ. Come on. I understand it's not there. In, in certain aspects, it may even be getting worse and some better. But if anything, this really goes to show you how bad Bill de Blasio was. You know, do I think if Rudy Giuliani was mayor right now, things would be better? Yeah, probably. Much better? No, I don't. I don't. 
and no one has more love and respect for Rudy than I do. But that's how bad this city was run the last eight years. And now you got a national crisis, but there's more on Biden and these asylum seekers making his job and other mayors' jobs more difficult. And even though you want to hear the mayor call out Biden, he didn't start this either. That was Biden. So I think you got to have a little bit more patience. Easy for me to say. I know it wasn't clubbed over the head of the subway this weekend, but you got to be realistic, folks. I don't care. I don't care who it was. No one was going to fix this city in one year. Nobody. Nobody. Sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Got pants in pocket. Got battle. Gonna use it intention. on your Wednesday morning. Been a great show already. Dove Hikind, the mayor, Eric Adams. Who else um, was on? The, oh, Brian Kilmeade was on this morning. You okay? <laughs> I am okay, yeah. yeah I mean, if it's uh, punishment for you is we take the phone and put it 18 feet away from you for a little bit. What? Nothing. I mean, you just, it's like the biggest toy in the world for you. My it's phone? So, yeah, it's like its like putting a spinning wheel in front of a cat. I, I want to see I, what would happen if we just took away your phone and locked that door for the four hours. What would happen to me? I, no, I don't know. You'd start hitting your head against the wall during the break. <laughs> Gee, when, after he had hives, yeah. you would have all kinds well, of Your head reactions. might explode. By the way, I don't pick the music for uh, for the guests on this show, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, I don't pick the music. Lewis uh, does a great job okay, with that. Well, right. well, you made it sound like what? it's an insult. Well, I got, it's a bad I've, I've gotten in trouble with something already. Again, something I didn't do. But... All right, well, just tell me. What is it? <laughs> was it a hip hop parade? <laughs> what are, you, are you just going to hold it for like 20 minutes? No, and that's tell fine. Me... That's was fine. It, was it hip hop parade? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who didn't like it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Peter King loves the pretenders, I can tell you that. He loves the pretenders. <laughs> now I don't pick the music. Who picks the music? Uh, First time you don't take credit for it. When, yeah. when Miranda Devine compliments or, you know. Oh, you do a great job. Or, you, you, you seem to find Australian music every time. I don't or, know how you do it. Or Linda yeah. Cohn goes, wow, who picked that song? <laughs> oh, well, you know, Lou and I are always picking these things together. Yeah, oh, then, now, then I jump right in. Now, now I suck. Okay, no, I, I didn't say that. I think you're great. Uh, Congressman Peter King, your thoughts on the pretenders. You like that song? Actually, my son just, just my son just texted me about the pretenders. 
Now, is that a shot at me? You're saying I'm a pretender, I'm a phony? Is that it? You set me up here? You and Rafinha, I, I, mean, first, I never trust either one of you over the years. Now yeah. the two of you together again, it's really bad. Yeah, I know. It was Sid's pick. <laughs> it was not my pick. Um, so, listen, I, I saw all of your Facebook posts the last couple of days, and I know that you become really friendly. I don't know how you did it with Donnie Wahlberg and I guess you know Tom Selleck for many, many years, too, this whole cast of Blue Bloods. And it looks like you and your lovely wife and Melissa Zim were back on the uh, back on the set just a couple of days ago. Yeah, I've been there a few times. Actually, I think it started through Steve Sharipper, and he was uh, friendly with different people on the uh, show, obviously. And uh, so I started going, I guess, back in 2018 at their uh, set down in Greenpoint there again in 2019. Two years ago, they were shooting out in Bayville at a gas station. And I was there, and uh, and, and you know, then the other day, Republic, yeah, they're great guys. Donnie's a terrific guy. Uh, I've met Tom Selleck, obviously, a number of times. Uh, Kevin Wade, who's the overall guy there, he's he's terrific. And it's just a team. Listen, you know, you get behind the scenes sometimes. You see the people aren't really that good, or they don't get along. This seems to be a great, a great family. I mean, you get along a lot better than you guys get along in the studio. I'll tell you that. I mean, you know, there's no Pasadena Phil running around. There's no Justin Ellick. You know, Lou Rufino's not putting on dopey songs and all that. And you're not complaining about your life. So right, it was right. great being there. I was, I was away from you for one one whole morning. It was terrific. Well, Melissa I loved it. Melissa loved it. No, I'm a, uh, Melissa. Danny Melissa Wahlberg's always a great guy. Yeah, she said he's a great guy, but she said, and I quote, "He's no Sid Rosenberg." That's what she said about Donnie Wahlberg. She, Funny because she said to Donnie Wahlberg, "You know Sid Rosenberg." So I don't know what's going on. You know, it's back and forth. You know, people play one off against the other. Uh, well, last night I was at Chaz Palmentieri's restaurant too with John McLaughlin, who, by the way, he was from my pollster for twenty-eight years. But he's also uh, yeah. Donald Trump's main pollster. Yeah, I know that. Uh, were you at the uh, Palmentieri restaurant in the city or the one in uh, Westchester? There's White Plains. Usually I go to the one in the city, but this yeah. one. Since McLaughlin uh, lives up in Rockland County, we met him halfway, so we went to uh, White Plains. And Chaz, Chaz is a great guy, terrific great guy. guy. Now, yep. Getting back to Blue Bloods, that is such a good show. I mean, with all the shots being taken at cops over the last few years, they've really stayed strong, and they give an honest you know, depiction of what the NYPD has to go through. And it's great you know, talking with them and being with them. And, again, they couldn't be more friendly on the set. And uh, – so anyway, it was just a you know, you know, great morning. Rosemary loved it. Melissa loved it. And uh, Donnie Wahlberg just, again, the easiest guy in the world to talk with. No, he, he is. And uh, it's a great show. And it's a very, very, uh, very factual show. It's very, very real, which is why that show continues to have great success, talking about police and that drama. Well, you just heard the mayor, Eric Adams, on with me, talking about police and the drama here in New York. And, you know, again, people are still very upset. Crime is up. If you talk to the mayor in his office, crime is down. In a lot of categories, other folks tend to, no, no, I got the numbers right in front of me. That's not true. The numbers are up and the subways are still unsafe. And just seems like a lot of folks are not ready, willing, and able yet to give the mayor any any real leeway here on fixing this city. And I say it all the time. Look, if Rudy was in charge right now, maybe he would do a better job. Rudy's a proven great mayor. But I don't know. That's how bad Bill de Blasio left this city. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Obviously, the city was in bad shape. I think the mayor is going in the right direction. I, I could, I, I do think he could do more though. Like for instance, when Rudy came in, you know, he really broke all in China. He just went down, did what he had to do. I think sometimes Eric Adams, he, he says the right thing, starts to do the right thing, but then he always throws in a disclaimer that the cops have to be fair, the cops have to be just. Well, they are. I mean, once you start explaining or excusing the cops, somehow like you're uh, not really standing with them. So I think it's important that he not keep. Uh, 
uh, you know, modifying what he says. You should be saying the cops are out there, they're doing a good job. The neighborhood should appreciate them. And then, you know, don't throw this qualifier in, you know, so long as they do the job right. They do the job right. 99% of the time, and to me, you shouldn't always be equivocating like that. But listen, uh, there's definitely progress being made. I think, as you know, the police commissioner, Keyshawn Sewell, is doing a great job. I think the cops uh, have, have more faith in what's going on right now, you know, in the leadership. And also, I got to say, you know, the mayor does not take cheap shots. So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that he should be more definitive and not somehow always put a qualifier on it. All right, fair enough. I want to talk to you about this document scandal because now it's got legs everywhere. John Katsimatidis sent me a story this morning that Jimmy Carter has documents. Now we know Mike Pence, despite what he said a couple of weeks ago, he's got documents. So we heard for a while after Trump was caught that, hey, everybody does it. That's everybody's favorite statement. Everybody does it. Turns out, Peter King, I guess everybody really does does it. (laughs) Right? I mean, they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I think, first of all, I think Trump handled it wrong by resisting so much and fighting back. But then, uh, obviously, the Biden administration overdid it by sending in the FBI. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think it should be that big an issue. Listen, Donald Trump is not going to be putting you know, documents in eBay. He's not going to be selling them and, or anything. And there's no evidence at all. He even thought that he was giving them to anybody else. To me, it was, it was careless. And then I think they came to him and they said, hey, we want these back. And he was saying, screw you, they're mine. And so you played into the Trump ego there. But with Biden, the concern I have there is I think you have to look to see, do those documents involve China? Do they involve Ukraine? Is there any uh, uh, cross-pollination between those documents and what uh, Hunter was doing as far as his deals with uh, Ukraine and and with China? So that's to me, uh, is uh, something that really should be looked at. Mike Pence, as you know, he's the most straight-hour guy in the world. And I can see staff. Yeah, you have to get out of the White House and uh, out of your office in so many weeks. Uh, and they went through the, was, you know, as carefully as they could. You got thousands of documents, thousands of records. And I guess in one of the cartons, there were some, uh, you know, top secret documents or whatever. So and you know, Mike Pence, certainly he had no intention of doing anything with them. Uh, and also, the irony is with Donald Trump and all those top secret documents, I don't think he read them when he was president. So he certainly <laughs> wouldn't be reading them now. I think it was more just a question of, uh, you, know, you know, the mind, you're not getting them back. But with Biden, the only one I think that could be potentially serious, and we'll have to see how it works out, is is there any connection between the documents that he kept and what Hunter Biden was doing as far as uh, uh, Ukraine and China? And also, there is a difference. Man, you know, the documents in Mar-a-Lago, they were in a room, they were locked, the FBI had actually put the lock on the, uh, the door where the documents were. We, as we see in Joe Biden's case, they were thrown around his garage. So I uh, that there is a little you know you know more than a little bit of a difference there, but uh, overall, listen, uh, probably if you go back to Abraham Lincoln, you'd find some documents right. somewhere in his right. home. Uh, of course, FDR, Harry Truman. I mean, Eisenhower. It's uh, uh, and also you know like uh, uh, any of the presidents who have these libraries, the LBJ Library. I'm sure there's some documents in there from Vietnam that still maybe you know declared top secret or something. So I wouldn't overestimate uh, overdo it, other than Biden seemed very reluctant to tell the full story. And is there any connection between that and uh, Hunter Biden? So I guess there's another George Santos story. <laughs> He's telling people or he told people he was mugged in New York City and his life was threatened. And they just keep coming. And look, the fact is he's lied time and time again. And there have been no repercussions. He's been sworn in. He's been put on two committees. So, you know, it's nice that Joe Cairo was yelling and screaming and Bruce Blakeman is yelling and screaming and 
even us. Peter King and Sid Rosenberg are yelling and screaming, but the truth is nothing's happened. Nothing. Yeah, well, legally, you can't do anything until you show he's committed a crime, a federal crime, or he's done something in Congress. All those lies he told was before he got to Congress, and the people elected him. And there's, unfortunately, there's no, maybe fortunately, there's no crime you know, just for lying per se. However, uh, I think where they may get him is, and he's already sort of backtracking now, you have to file very detailed reports about your financial contributions, where they come from, how you got them. And he just put in cavalierly, uh, totally, uh, he donated $700,000 from his own personal fortune to the campaign. There's no way he had 700 grand. Now, was he just being a straw man for somebody else? Was money being laundered through him? So now he's changed. He's amended his uh, campaign report to say that the $700,000, only 200000 of that is his own money. The other five hundred came from somewhere else. Where did it come from? I mean, you know, it's come from money. It's about money laundering. Uh, are oligarchs and people putting him up to it you know, to use that money. There's no way a guy who was evicted from his apartment in Sunnyside and Whitestone uh, and was making 55 grand a year would be able to suddenly donate $700,000 to his campaign. Right. So somewhere that money came from. And if they can show that he was hiding that, that is a federal crime. That that can uh, justify him being uh, thrown out of Congress. I think it's a disgrace. I think the guy is a total fraud. Listen, I, uh, you and I have met people who lie, who exaggerate, whatever. This guy's whole life is a lie. Everything <laughs> about him is a lie. He's a total fraud. He's a wacko. He is. Uh, Brian Kilmeade was with Pat Ryder last night. A and you're gonna, Yeah, you're going to hear Brian, Brian Kilmeade say later on this morning on the show we have to mind, Pat Ryder is the best, I guess, small town. He's not really a small town. That's a county. But the best small town police commissioner in the country. That's what Brian Kilmeade's going to say. How about that? No, uh, he's a great police commissioner. I mean, you say small town. I mean, you know, the actual police department is like the 11th or 12th largest in the country. It's larger than Boston. Right. You know, all these cities and all that. It's much larger than that. Uh, no, it's a solid, solid police department, great police department. Pat is, I've known Pat for years. He is a cop's cop. He's a uh, tough cop. He was Keyshawn Sewell's boss in Nassau County. Uh, Pat is, uh, he's one of a kind. And uh, Nassau to realize how lucky they are to have Pat as the commissioner. He's uh, terrific. And I think probably what happened is you probably could have locked up Brian a few times to let him go. That's why <laughs> Brian said good things about him. Listen, you know, Brian's oh almost a neighbor of mine. He's a pain in the ass, but yeah. he's, uh, he's a good guy. <laughs> he's a great guy. As you are, Peter King. And as always, you never disappoint on a Wednesday morning. That was a great conversation. Thank you so much for uh, hopping on. I can't wait to do it again next week, buddy. Thank you so much. Okay, Sid. You're the man. You're the Bye. man. There he is, the great congressman, Peter King. And, of course, you hear him all week long on this show on Catch at Night. That great show, 5 p.m. every weekday evening. Peter King. Long live the king. Lots more to do, including Jennifer Harrison, Lisa Guerrero, and Sidge Take on this hump day edition, Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Who is this, Lou? Come on. This is, um... Oh, come on. I should know this. I like it, too. Who is it? Bad if I know and you don't. You know it? Yeah. Who is it? It's Marky Mark. No, it's not, you idiot. <laughs> God. It's not? Who is it? I just couldn't wait for Phil to give the answer. <laughs> Marky Mark. Is it not Marky Mark? Wallflowers. Oh, that's right. He was Dylan, in that band. That's uh, Dylan's kid, uh, Jacob Dylan. Right. Yeah. Close. Look at you. Just like Marky Mark. Same thing, Jacob Dylan, Marky Mark. I can't same tell thing. the difference. Right. Yeah, yeah, they're exactly lot, the same. A lot of nepotism going on. <laughs> yeah. What did uh, Greg Jennings, the former wide receiver of the Packers, right, and the Vikings, yeah. what did he say about the Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones? So he's a top 10 quarterback in the league. Top 10. i got to think about this. Now, I know it sounds outrageous on the surface, but when you start to go team by team, that may be true. That's more of an indictment of the quarterback playing the NFL these days, but that may be true. Like the top six or seven is very top you know, heavy. You got it right. After but, that, yeah, it starts to get thin out, thin out a little bit. Who are the top six or seven again? You know, you got like your Mahomeses, your no. Burrows, right. Herbert, Allen, Josh Allen, right? Rogers is still there. Yeah. What's going on here? Jaylen Doc Hurts. Prescott. Yeah, Pre- oh, Jalen Hurts. We're sorry. Yeah, there you go, uh, Justin. Justin. Uh, Doc Prescott, I guess. I, I don't know. If, is he better than? Uh, I, I think he's better than Daniel Jones. I don't know if he is. But there's like an argument. I don't even know if he is. Like the Kirk Cousins? He's already, he ain't he could better. Argue, he could argue it. Trevor Lawrence? He's better. He is better? Yeah. What, because you said so? Now? now? Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy? What? What was that? <laughs> the kid for the 49ers. I know who it is. Why'd you say it like that? I don't know. Did you hate it? What? Is Zach Wilson better? <laughs> Zach Wilson might take my job soon. <laughs> you think so? I mean, he's got as good of a chance as I do starting for the Jets. You're next probably year. right, yes. That would be a good uh, switch. Let's see how that, how that works. <laughs> I'll trade the jobs with him. Oh, 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 Macedonia, Phil can't find anyone. No one. So, my next guest is a young lady I've got a tremendous amount of respect for. I really do. She, uh, her name is Jennifer Harrison. She's been on this show many, many times. She's done local radio shows of her own out on Long Island. And she's got a, a pretty sad story. Her boyfriend was murdered on Long Island many, many, many years ago. So Jen, inspired by him, started this victim, uh, Victims Advocate Group. It's hard to say that. Phil, can you say Victims Advocate Group three times quickly? Not even once. Say v- victims advocate group. Victims advocate. <laughs> it sucks. I hate this job. Come on, get it done three times. This job sucks. Say it three times. Come on. Victims advocate group. Victim advocate. Group. It sucks. <laughs> now let's go to Zach Wilson. See if he can do it. It's a serious thing. Well, we shouldn't be laughing. Fellow, but it's, it, smart, every right? time I try to say it, it's hard to say it too. But uh, at any rate, she does some really <laughs> incredible work. And when I saw this story about this uh, little Ava Wood. 14-year-old girl murdered by her own father a couple of days ago. I well, depressed the hell out of me, and I wanted to talk to Jennifer about that. Now, a variety of issues, guns, and I know Bill O'Reilly reached out to her very, very recently. So here she is making her return to the sitting friends in the morning show, Jennifer Harrison. Jennifer, good morning, sweetie. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. How are you? How are things in Shirley, Long Island today? <sighs> Well, today they're a little bit better, but the other night I was actually emailing back and forth with Bill O'Reilly's producers, and across the creek from me, there was apparently a drive-by shooting. Is that right? In Shirley? In Shirley. Now, we're not yes. that far removed from Lee Zeldin 
who lives there, his daughter is stunning at home one day, and there were gunshots at his house also. Right. Well, I apparently live down the block from where the hangout is for one of the gangs that was involved in that. Just so like I've a, been on edge ever since that. But to yeah. hear gunshots like right outside my house as I'm putting my son to bed was extremely disturbing. So you heard the gunshots? Oh, yeah. And I, I, now this is MS-13. This is a gang. You're, you're sure about that? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was a gang, but to be honest, I don't know because all of these migrants are now being housed. There's a, a state Indian reservation down the road for me, too, and apparently the migrants are being housed there. Um, so, like, and they're not being vetted, so I don't know if, like, that that's MS-13. And then there's a Bloods hangout in the reservation, so now, like, we're putting MS-13 and the Bloods together. Oh I mean, I just I don't understand any of this. Wow, out there in Shirley, Long Island. So so who who are you talking to? What political office are you talking to to minimize this issue? I mean, I'm trying to talk to all of them, obviously, anybody that will listen. It's just it's hard to get an answer because, you know, the, the government isn't being forthcoming with everything that's happening. So when you say the government is not being forthcoming, you're talking about city, state, national. Who are you talking about? Well, it's hard for the state officials that I'm dealing with to get information about who's coming here. And it's hard for the county legislators to get information. Um, You know, obviously, like they have to go through ulterior methods, like through social services to find out how many people are registering for services and whatnot. But there's no information being provided on who's coming into our communities. And you were clearly frustrated with some of the answers that the mayor gave me about an hour ago, weren't you? Well, listen, I, you know, I text you that I'm not really the biggest fan of Mayor Adams, but I do want him to succeed as a victim's advocate and somebody that lost a loved one to homicide. I don't want any more victims or any more families, especially mothers, to have to bury their children and, and go through, you know, what I went through with Kevin. So I do want him to succeed. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with everything. I do think that some of the numbers were up. I shared the CompStat numbers with you, and CompStat doesn't lie. Um, you know, th- there might actually be some crimes that are missing from there because some things don't get reported, and sometimes they try and fudge the numbers in, in their favor. Um, so it might actually be a little bit higher than what we're seeing on there. But, no, I don't buy into the fact that, you know, everything is definitely getting better. Um, I know that he's trying but, you know, he also can't have it both ways. Mayor Adams uh, supported legislation like Clean Slate. He supported Less is More, which I think, you know, in a year from now, we're not going to be talking about bail reform. We're going to be talking about Less is More, which is actually already deadlier than bail reform. Eric Adams supported that. He's supporting Clean Slate, and he's supporting other dangerous pieces of legislation that will release more violent recidivists like elder parole and fair and timely parole. So he can't have it both ways. He's either on one side of public safety or on the other. Fair enough. Jennifer Harrison joining us right now. Now, is, is there, Does your group have a name to it, Jen? I should know this. I don't. <laughs> it's Victims Rights New York. And you can go on the website, victimsrightsnypac.com. Victims Rights New York. One of the reasons why I keep bringing you back is you're very loyal, too, on top of all of this, all the great work you're doing. And I remember when Errol Lewis at New York One was calling me out, talking about clean slate and less is more. When Errol Lewis was calling me out, you went to Twitter and you went berserk on his ass. I mean, you kicked his ass up and down those Twitter streets and you made mention 
of all these things. You just mentioned with Eric Adams that uh, Mr. Lewis is one of the guys that is friendly with Stuart Cousins, seems to have no issue with the, uh, with, the no, with the no bail, all these things. And I love it when you point out these guys in the media that continue to hurt our city. Well, Errol Lewis is such a hypocrite, Sid, because, you know, he's up there on his platform preaching about how everybody deserves a second chance and and for all these progressive reforms that are destroying the city, that are destroying the state. Now that that I have shootouts happening as I'm putting my son to bed in Suffolk County, Long Island, because of people like Errol Lewis. But everybody deserves a second chance except for you. Right. So, (laughs) no, of course, I'm going to call him out on his BS. Every chance that I get. Now, what was the Bill O'Reilly conversation about the last couple of days? I know the the, the shootings, I think, in California. Not sure what that has to do with what you work on a daily basis. What was the conversation between you and Bill O'Reilly's producer about? Uh, Well, we were talking about, you know, just uh, different ideas for the show. And um, and talking points and whatnot, and then I ended up going on his show last night, which was which was very nice. I'm glad that he had me on. We had a nice conversation. But um, you know, the, the shootings in California are a whole other thing too. You have all these progressive idiots on their soapboxes talking about gun control, but then passing reforms that release everybody from prison with illegal weapons charges. Right, and the gun so con- uh, and, you know and, and, again, and, pick a side. And the gun control stuff is silly because. These are the states, these are the cities that have the strictest gun laws that are having the most victims. So clearly, you know, the, these gun laws are not stopping anybody from doing this, clearly. No, no, and nobody cares about the fact that, you know, right, right down the block from me, there are kids killing each other. So w- what are we doing about that? What are we doing to stop the massacre on a daily basis of these young uh, statistics show that it's young black men that are killing each other in our streets. And why doesn't anybody care about that? Nobody does. A black man killing black men. And it goes uh, big numbers. Look at Chicago. So I brought up this story to you a couple of days ago about this little girl, Ava Wood, the 14 year old girl who was killed by her father because he's mad at the mother. And we see these types of stories all the times where, where these kids, they become collateral damage basically in a failed relationship between mommy and daddy. Now, there are always warnings, right? There's always a red flag that says, hey, one of these two parents have the potential to do what this animal did to Ava Wood, and yet we're still reading about all these stories. I know it breaks both of our hearts. What can we do about that? It's so heartbreaking, Sid, and and it happens more than you know, as we discussed the other day. You know, Kira Franchetti, who was four years old and was murdered by her father, uh, in Florida, after being granted visitation by a judge in New York, his, his, he shot his four-year-old daughter. We had Thomas Valva right here, who was abused and tortured by his father and stepmother um, after repeated warnings. So we need major, major reform in the family court system. Um, there, we need training. We need uh, There needs to be reform with forensic psychologists and their evaluations and, and what kind of training they have. The family court lawyers are, I mean, they, they really just like, they're rapists, if you if you ask me. Like, they, they, they take money and suck you dry and then come to a settlement. And nobody really cares about what's best for the child in any of these situations. Of course, you know, I'm exaggerating. There are some people that are good people in the system, but a lot of people just do take advantage of it, which is wrong. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned judicial reform, but, we, you know, we, we did, there needs to be major, major change. 
And of course, I think that there should be repercussions for people that take advantage of the system too and use the system to alienate children from the other parent because, you know, these, these family court judges see this on a daily basis and I think that they kind of get um you know, hardened to it yeah. or it becomes yep. normalized and right. and they just think that that's what everybody's doing. So it, it's a huge problem and it's happening more and more and, and we need reform across the board in the family court system. Now what happened, and, and I'm sorry bringing up a, a, um, a sore situation for you, but I think after this great conversation, it kind of puts a nice little bow on it. What happened in your situation? Your boyfriend was murdered out on Long Island many, many years ago. Did they get the guy? Is the guy in jail? Whatever happened in your situation? Well, actually, said he was murdered in New Jersey in 2005. And um, he was at a bar on a Friday night with his friend. And uh, it was actually over a girl that he was with while we were broken up. She showed up there and was mad that he wasn't paying attention to her. So she went over and flirted with these guys. His friend, who was a great guy, went over and said, so-and-so, I'm going to take you home before you get yourself in trouble. And the guy that she was talking to stood up and stabbed him in the heart. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, my boyfriend, I don't think he realized that he was dead. I think that he probably thought he was knocked out and went over, and he ended up getting stabbed with two different knives as well. Um, The three brothers that were involved, one was out on parole in New York, was never even violated for crossing state lines, which is a violation of parole, for being in a bar, which is a violation of parole, or for um, congregating with other convicted felons, which is a violation of parole, or for, forget about being convicted of murder, because he wasn't, but being involved in an altercation that led to the death of two people, which should be a violation of parole. Never even violated for parole, okay? One of the brothers pled guilty. He got five and a half years for Kevin and six and a half years for his friend. And the two other brothers that had uh, more extensive records got, went completely free in a plea deal. Wow. That and is really the, depressing. So the one that served time, uh, he was released in 2014. Oh, he's already out. Yep. And uh, were you nervous when this guy got out that maybe he was going to come after you or, or, or not really? That was... Well, when when um, the court case was happening, I actually bartended at stands across from Yankee Stadium, and these guys lived in the Bronx. Um, so, like after the plea deal, I was a little bit nervous because they, you know, I didn't know if I was on the subway with them. Like I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but you know, I lived through it, and I, I'm less nervous because I don't think that they want to go back to jail for coming after me. Um, so, I, you know, I, I try not to think about it too much. But it, it is uh, it's awful. I do go on their Facebook pages once in a while just to see what's happening. And it's not fun to see them spending holidays with their families uh, mm. after all this time when we don't have that. I'm sorry. Um, wow. That is a, uh, a difficult story, to say the least, Jen. You, you, um, you show amazing courage, amazing bravery. I go on your page and I... In fact, uh, just a couple of months ago, you had a whole page of pictures with you and Kevin. And I don't know if you were celebrating an anniversary, or maybe it was even the day he died. I don't know. But I do remember seeing like 20 different pictures of a very young Jen and a young Kevin in bars all across. Like, was it Jersey or Long Island? I forget. But it was, um, they were beautiful, nice pictures. So, hey, uh, for folks that want to get more involved and may have gone through what you went through, Jennifer, or going through it right now, how do they contact you and get involved? 
Uh, so victimsrightsnypac.com has all of our information on there. People can donate on there, too. Uh, we are a political action committee, so we all, all donations go towards supporting political campaigns that support our issues. And um, also on social media, all my handles are victimsrightsny. All right, listen, great job as always. Thank you for hopping on today. You're always a tremendous guest. You really all will talk again next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. And good luck in that room. <laughs> Be a little more quiet in the morning. Yeah, I guess. Thank you. This she is, folks. Jennifer Harrison, Victims' Rights, and uh, really a, uh, an amazing girl. Been through a heck of a lot, folks, a heck of a lot. We got a lot more to do. We're going to play Sid's Take. That's always fun. What is today's edition, Macedonia Phil? What's the... What's the Wednesday game? Um, yeah. It's a surprise. It's oh, you don't even know, do you? Yeah, well, I got to write it. Oh, you haven't written it yet. <laughs> That's a surprise, too. <laughs> it means it's yeah. going to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also talk to former Monday Night Football sideline reporter and Playboy centipede Lisa Guerrero. All that right here on the Wednesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Is this hip to be square? Lisa Guerrero loves Huey Lewis? I don't know about that. (laughs) I've had Lisa on my show many, many times over the years. I doubt she remembers, but she's been great every time. Her new memoir, Warrior, My Path to Being Brave, is about to come out. Oh, today. Oh, yesterday. I'm sorry. Yesterday it came out. Warrior, my path to being brave. This is a a cheerleader, a sideline reporter, Fox Sports, Hall of Fame cheerleader. Secrets of Playboy. She's done it all. Back on the Sid Rosenberg Show, Lisa Guerrero. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? Good morning, my friend. So good to be back, Sid. Thank you for having me. Great to have you back. Uh, First of all, congratulations on the memoir, My Path to Being Brave. I just released my second book. It's not easy, A, writing a book. It's not easy, B, selling a book. And C, the best part is, though, when you sit down and read it and it's about yourself, it's pretty surreal. And you've accomplished a lot. So congratulations. Thank you. The process has been brutal. I mean, really, to, to write a book honestly, and to open up about traumatic experiences and overcoming challenges was really, um, it was grueling. But in the end, I'm so thankful that I chose this path to tell my story. And and I hope it helps other people, Sid. Well, give us one story from the book that you would, um, you just described uh, some of these things as tough, you know, during your life. Give us us one little Mm -hmm. one before we get into the cheerleading stuff. Sure. Well, you know, of course, I was. I talk about being on Monday Night Football as a sideline reporter in 2003, and you know, I was I was criticized from the very beginning as being just a model, just a cheerleader, that I wasn't worthy of being a sports reporter, and so the criticism came from from all areas. You know, television, radio, newspapers, other people in the business. 
And it was devastating for me. It had devastating consequences combined with, you know, having a boss that was verbally abusive to me. And over that season, I became more and more depressed and sick and, um, and really a shell of myself. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I had a miscarriage on the sidelines during a live game. Oh, my God. And it was painful. It was devastating. I should have called 911, and I should have gone to the hospital. Instead, I continued on in the second half of that game, flew home, and then, of course, I saw my doctor when I got home. But I I wanted people to know through this experience that bullying and toxic behavior has consequences with the person on the receiving end. And I really, I really wanted to talk about that devastation, honestly, so that other people know that, you know, you have to be very careful about that toxic language you put out there. You may not think that anybody's reading it or absorbing it, but somebody is, and it can hurt them. Wow, that really is a, a brutal story and a sad story, and I'm very, very sorry you went through all that. But in the end, uh, despite uh, all the progress we've made, especially the National Football League, still misogyny and chauvinism, all that still exists in a big, big way. So I'm sorry you had to go through that, Lisa, but uh, again, this book is going to help a heck of a lot of people. And look, you've been uh, tough your whole career. You were the first person to ask Barry Bonds if he ever used steroids. You made Dennis Rodman cry. So if anything, Lisa, you may be beautiful and all those things, but you are, you, you are a tough girl, not afraid to let people know how you feel. And that's, uh, that's bode well for you over the years. You know what, Sid, that's why I wrote the book, though, because I think a lot of people see me today chasing bad guys and on Inside Edition and, you know, asking tough questions. And I I wrote the book, honestly, and I talk about, um, you know, sad things, the thing that we just talked about that happened 20 years ago. The reason I bring them up is because I want people to know that, you know, I wasn't born brave. It was because of the challenges I faced that made me the tough person I am today. And for those that are listening right now, that are experiencing obstacles in their lives. I want you to know that I faced down some really traumatic things, but I was able to reach out for help, and I was able to refocus my life and career and come out on the other end. So uh, it is really an opportunity for us to all take our pain and to turn that into power. On the show Secrets, yes, on the show Secrets of Playboy on A&E, Lisa, uh, coming out with the uh, second on the second season, I should say, you uh you took you Hefner to task, said some stuff about you that wasn't very complimentary. But I've heard that stuff before from other ladies who were involved uh, with Playboy. You weren't the first to say it, nor you'd be the last. But even you Hefner was on uh, your radar in this book, right? Well, you know, Hugh Hefner never did anything to me. Let's make that very clear. I wasn't one of the victims of you know, of misogyny or sexual assault. A lot of, you know, ex-girlfriends and playmates had accused him and the circle around him of doing some some horrific things. So in season one of Secrets of Playboy, um, you know, I hosted the last two episodes, the last two specials, and I sat down and spoke with some of the women that had experienced these horrible things uh, with the Playboy organization. Now, my experience is different. When I was 40, I chose to, uh, to pose for the cover of Playboy as a celebrity cover. But I wasn't 19 years old, and I wasn't you know, sexually assaulted by Hugh Hefner or anybody else. Right. But I gotcha. do believe the women 
I do believe those young women that, you know, back in the day when they were 17, 18, 19, allured into that world, I do believe that those things happened to them. So, um, yeah, I, I talk about my own experience, but I think I was the right person to host this show because I don't have an ax to grind with Playboy or that organization because they were nice to me. You know, I used it as a jumping off point for the rest of my career. But I do believe the women that say that bad things happen to them. Got it. Now, to wrap this up, the uh, cheerleader, the Hall of Fame deal, you, of course, worked with the Rams for many, many years. Went on to do stuff cheerleading-wise with the Atlanta Falcons, the New England Patriots. And you're one of six very lucky ladies up now for the cheerleading Hall of Fame. How exciting is that, Lisa? You, I, I just can't even ex- describe to you, Sid, how amazing it is. I mean, here it is a decades after I was a Rams cheerleader, and I just got notified this past season that I was inducted into the Professional Football Cheerleader Hall of Fame. So this was the inaugural year. There were six of us inducted. And I, I am beyond, I mean, if you would have told that 19-year-old girl who first tried out that someday you're going to be a Hall of Fame cheerleader, I would have fainted. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so thankful. Well, I'm happy it's all worked out well for you. The, the Hall of Fame, the cheerleading stuff, and, and uh, the book, the memoir that came out just yesterday, I'm sure it's going to be a great success because you have lived quite the life, Lisa, been involved in so many different things, and again, pretty and all that stuff uh, uh, on the outside, but a real warrior on the inside and not afraid to take on some very serious subjects and men over the years. So I wish you the best. I congratulate you, and keep doing your thing out there and keep coming back on the Sid Rosenberg Show. Thank you so much. Of course I will. Thank you, Sid. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Lisa Guerrero, folks. Go out there and uh, get that memoir. Promises to be very, very, very entertaining. Once again, Lisa Guerrero. Now, it's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take! Sid's Take, yeah! Good luck! It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. All right. Oh, hey now. Got to turn my volume up. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Justin Ellick here, your host for the Sid's Take game. Again, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. You got to go to peerlessboilers.com. You type it right in there in the top bar of your uh, browser, your URL bar. Uh, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com to find a dealer near you because it's chilly out there and uh, you need a new boiler. Say hi to Pete. Say hi to Pete. Say hi to Pete for us. It's been a while. It's been a couple weeks since he's been here with bagels. Yeah, where the so. heck is he? I'm hungry. Pete, what's going on? Let's go. Yeah. I want some tickets and I want some bagels. <laughs> I mean, I'm going without breakfast here, Pete. This is a big problem. Yeah, you're wasting away. I don't like Good it. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> My God. In case you forgot Phil was working. Jeez. God. All right. Uh, today's I'm ready to play the game, Justin. Uh, yeah, we know. We know. <laughs> Third... <laughs> our theme for today is uh, Witchy Wednesday, once again here. This will be our last week doing Witchy Wednesday because we're running out of frankly, we're running out of questions. Wait, you, could write, you could write a better game, a uh, better a new don't, game next don't, week. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that, okay? I, will. I have the power. I will do it because it's no, my please. it's my decision please. who writes the game. I, I, try, I will not stop you. So uh, I, w- I will do it. Okay, I'm not going to stop you. But but it takes it off my plate. So can you just keep doing it? Yeah, okay. please for a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have the power. So one more um, one more edition of uh, Witchy Wednesday here. It's going to be uh, horror themed. Some serial killer stuff. Maybe Ooh. some uh, maybe some uh, horror movie stuff. Some monstery stuff. You know, all that good um, stuff. Good stuff. 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 Our contestant Bob in Franklin, New Jersey. What's going on, Bobby? 
Hello. Hey, what's going on? Not much. I'm ready. All right. All right. He's ready. He's ready. He's whoa. Ready. Whoa. Hey, hey. All right. Stop wasting time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sid, get out of here. All right, Bob, uh, you understand the theme for today's game? Got it. I'm ready. Like All right. Said. Let's do number one here. Who is the pregnant model that was the wife of Roman Polanski who was murdered by Charles Manson's cult? Come on. Sure. Sure. There you go. Spectacular. One for one, Bob. Number two. What famous gorilla took on Godzilla in a two, uh, 2021 blockbuster film? Was it A, Donkey Kong, B, King Kong, or C, Curious George? King Kong. Curious George. <laughs> sure it wasn't Curious George. He's too curious. He probably would have destroyed Godzilla. All right, settle down, Phil. Two for two. <laughs> On to number three. What film series is built around a single day every year where all crime is completely legal? Friday the 13th. No. Chainsaw. The Purge would be your correct answer. The first one is actually pretty good. Then they made way too many of them. It was a they, good premise. Yeah, they made more than one. I yeah, agree. they made like a million like of them. Six of them. And yeah, they all sucked. Yeah, <laughs> but the but the idea was cool. I the get idea it. is cool, but the yeah. movie sucked. Yeah, yeah. thanks thanks for your thoughts, Phil. You basically just agreed with us. So, well, God offered, forbid, I do that every. You offered in a while. nothing. You offered nothing to the conversation. Thanks again. All Except right. for the game. Except for the entirety of the game, <laughs> two, I offered that to the two, conversation. <laughs> two, two for three. On to number four here, Bobby. Wow. Number four, Dennis Rader killed 10 people between the years of 1974 and 1991, but was better known by which three initials as the blank killer? Come on. JMJ. No. BTK, bind, torture, and kill. Thank you. All right. Two two for four. Yeah, but I know you like that. Kill. All right, Patton 500 here. In an attempt to go three for five, Bobby, the iconic mask Michael Myers wore in the Halloween series was a mask of which fictitious space character painted white? Man. No, I don't know. Well, you're not a loser in my mind, Bob. Two for five ain't bad. No, we're all winners. Yeah, uh, those like, you get a participation uh, letter. (laughs) <laughs> in the yeah, <laughs> Just to write it personally. Yeah, I'll handwrite it. Hey, you guys do a good job. I appreciate your, hey, your thanks. work, Justin. Thanks, Bob. Uh, we appreciate you uh, listening to the program, of course, every morning. And we'll keep, get you on hold here and get to hear uh, the big guy in his attempt to beat you. And uh, he's getting ready to go. What's going on? Uh, Got to take out the phone. Yeah. Uh, God see? forbid you don't no, have No, it's in my pocket. I was talking to the great Bo looking tanned in Western back. So okay. I need a vacation, too, yeah. one of these days. Well, yeah, sure. It's going to happen for a long time, but that's okay. You want to come with me to Costa Rica? No. No, right. no I don't. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, I kind of do. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Now that I think about it. You picked the right date. Yeah. Ask. Big uh, 180. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, you got to go uh, three for five to win today's game. I can do it. I uh, think. What is it? It's um, Witchy Wednesday, right? Yes. Whatever. Right. Next week we're gonna we're, next week we're gonna get going on a new Wednesday alliteration. You, oh! you keep saying we. This whole we thing. I don't really. All right. We. We. It's we. A, there's a weird. Did we construct a game. Weird ringing noise in my ear. I, I don't know what it is. Sounds like a bee. I am Phil. Yeah. I'm Phil. <laughs> Sounds like a wee. <laughs> I'm Phil. Let's right. go. Number one, who was the pregnant model that was the wife of Roman Polanski who was murdered by Charles Manson's cult? You know, that was uh, the anniversary was two days ago. Mm. Sharon Tate. Yeah. Beautiful. Two days ago. What was? What two words did they write on the wall? You should know this. You should know this. I do. 
Big Beatles classic. You too sang it too. Give that, up something with the devil. Helter Skelter. Oh, there you go. That's uh, mm. yeah. Everybody knows that. Yeah. What did that now. mean again? Uh, means uh, death to all um, the uh, <laughs> yeah. people with eyes. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I didn't say the movie's something. good. Once upon a time, I want to put in Hollywood. Yeah, that was very good. Yes. yes. Yeah. All right. Under number two, one for one. Pitt won the Academy Award for that, right? I, I think believe so. he did. Yeah. Been, yeah. It was him, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Emile Hirsch, who's in the movie Gemini Lounge with me. Skipped right over the star of the show, Margot Robbie. Oh, she was in that, too. Yeah. 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 Oh, yes. Well, she played Sharon Tate. Right. All right. That's number, right. Number two. Was it McConaughey in the movie? No. No, no, no. it wasn't. But Wrong. go with it. Wrong. Uh, number two, one for one. What famous gorilla took on Godzilla in a 20, 2021 blockbuster film? Is it A, Donkey Kong, B, King Kong, or C, Curious George? Y- y- are you telling me you needed to put... Multiple choice on this I mean, one? King yeah. Kong, obviously. <laughs> I put the... I put the uh, Somebody say Donkey Kong. <laughs> well, I, put, I put the... Uh, Multiple choice for comedic effect. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie you. I'm staying on 33rd and Park, so I'm right by the Empire State Building. I get a great view of it every night, and I'm still waiting to see, like, King Kong hanging from the Well, you could always climb it. Huh? You could always climb it. Just yeah. take off your shirt. Yeah. People would mistake Wait, you. hold on. I don't think we have to do this, but you know King Kong's not real, right? He's not? No. What? What? Yeah, I stick to reading the script. Don't tell, tell us lies <laughs> on air. That's uh, not true. Uh, Next thing you can say, Santa's not real. <laughs> yeah. Number Ooh. three. Number three. What film series is built around a single day every year where all crime is completely... Legal. Oh, I love those movies. It's called The Purge. And The Purge, New York City, is starting to look a lot like The Purge, except that was one night in the movies. This is yeah. every night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. They made a movie about it. We see it every day. That's oh, true. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's a scary movie. That's, it is. It's yeah. only the first one, though. We yeah. decided the rest I, of them I may mean, have suck. seen all four of them at this point. I think I have. How do you know how many there are? It's four? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah they sucked. No, okay. no they didn't so, suck. Jeez. You know, I've seen all 51 in the Taboo series. Which is uh, incestual sex and porn. Uh, all 51. Okay, well, That's I'm glad I now know, know this information. It's going to help me a lot in life. I got to talk to Rabbi Joe Potash. Yeah. Yeah. If I ever need to reference it in any way, I'll call you up immediately. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, what are you, three for three? Three for three, yeah. How about that? So you already won today's game, but uh, in an attempt to go perfect here, number four but you and won't. five, You're not subsequently, Dennis Rader <laughs> killed 10 people between the years of 1974 and 1991, but was better known by which three initials as the blank... Killer. Wait, say it again? Dennis Rader. Oh, Dennis Rader, of course, was a BTK. There you go. Bow tie. This mother effer was like, uh, you know, he got caught in the church. He would use like the church's, you know, the Xerox machine or the fax machine on the computer. He was like a a lovely guy. People loved him, went to church. And and the the first family, he killed the whole family. And he hung the little girl from the boiler in the basement. It was just disgusting. He killed. He killed two of the kids. They had five kids. Three of them oh. were at school. Oh, okay. And they're the ones who found. But he him. killed like four or five people. Four, that four day. the mom, dad. Yeah, yeah. He would like choke son. the ladies. They would vomit and be almost dead. And then he'd be like, "Okay, I'm not going to kill you." And then he'd kill him. Well, he torture him first. That was yeah. the T. Yeah, I see it. So, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Wow. He was uh, caught, I believe, in the state of Kansas. I believe. All right. You yeah. know a lot about the BTK. The BTK killer, killer. Bo knows all about him. All right. I guarantee he does. Dennis Rader. Finally. And finally, number five, the iconic mask Michael Myers wore in the Halloween series was a mask of which fictitious space character painted white? I was four for four until this. Yeah, this is a ridiculous question. Why don't question, you give me so. the multiple choice in this one yeah. instead of King Kong I mean, and Donkey Kong? This one's supposed what to be the hardest idiot. one. It's the whole point. Yeah, I don't know this I'll give one. you. I'll give you a hint. Okay, that give space me a hint. character also killed someone. The cartoon character also killed someone? Well, no, not the cartoon no. character. The I'll person. give you a He's better hint get is... A big fan of Frank Morano. He's a big fan of Frank Morano? Bill yeah. Shatner. 
that, well, yeah, who did he play? Yeah. Oh, Captain play? Kirk. There you go. <laughs> Very yeah. nicely done, Sydney. You know, Richard Johnson, he writes for the New York Daily News. He wrote a story a couple days ago, and he included the Frank Morano bill Shatner interview. Morano's walking around with an erection for, like, oh, days. Yeah, for, yeah. for, like, days. Yeah. There's, like, copies everywhere. Richard erection, Johnson. It would be an erection space, too. I think, actually. It's so good. <laughs> so, Frank, you are excited. And, like, unlike the people on previous Centaur 5. Very good. Yes. We'll take a short break. We'll Spark. come back and wrap things up on this Hump Day Wednesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning with a very tan and handsome Bo Deedle right after these words. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. So there's this New York Post writer. Oh, good song, Helter Skelter. Bernadette Hogan, when she put on Twitter... At New York City Mayor on 77 WABC Radio is asked by host Sid Rosenberg about the migrant crisis. Quote, why doesn't the mayor call out Joe Biden by name to take responsibility? Then she writes, Rosenberg also says, quote, we cannot be a sanctuary city and complain. You can't have it both ways. I I did both of those, by the way. So when you bitch and complain that all I do is throw the mayor softballs, you're either not listening or you're stupid. For many of you, it's a combination it could of both. Be, could be <laughs> both, yeah. yeah. So this New York Post writer is going to write a story and give me credit for not throwing the mayor's softballs, which I didn't do. I came at him from a different, uh, variety of directions without telling him he's dead to me and there's blood on his hands. And You don't have to convince us. We're on your side, Sid. I know. You're right about that. You're fighting ghosts right now. Yeah. And they're well, winning. You're fighting ghosts right now. You're funny, man. I swear. You are. You really are brilliant. You know that, man? And you're right. The games have been writing are great. Thank you. Even Joe Nunziata and Ralph Napolitano. Oh my God! They, they think it's good. Even it. those that's, guys. That's you could give me all the comments you want. I don't really care. But if Ralph, who's it? Nunziato. That's and, right. And, that's uh, right. Jason. Uh, yeah, go with that. When Williamsburg and Arthur Avenue loved you, you know you're doing well. Hey, great show, everybody today. All the guests, including Mayor Eric Adams, Pete King, Brian Kilmeade, Dove Hike, and everyone. Jennifer Harrison, Lisa Guerrero, Lou Rufino, amazing, Macedonia Bill, Justin Ellick, Deb Valentine. God willing, we're all back tomorrow morning with Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, and some more surprises. Plus, the Chris Cuomo, Sid Rosenberg fight on text. I'm going to kick Cuomo's ass. Hope that gets back to Chris. I'll be back tomorrow at 6 until then, folks. Peace! If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.